Conspiracies and high paranoia Here comes another show for ya They're the kings of America They're the kings of America Everybody listen to Darren and Graham Okay guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. Uh, we're going to be talking the autistic holocaust with John Micah a little bit later. But first, as always, Graham, let's start over Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. You got me at a loss again, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. How's things? I've been away for a while. First time in the studio in almost three weeks. Yeah, it feels like it's been a long time. We got a shelf for the books. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's coming together. Slowly but surely. Yeah, we Just should do a time. little video, uh, like a little video montage of the putting the studio together. Oh, yeah, we were supposed to do that. Forgot all about I'll that. I'll send you all the pics that I took. You'll send me? Aren't yeah. you the video guy? <laughs> no, I'm not the video guy. <laughs> I'm not the video guy. You're the tech. You're the, tech. You're the producer guy or the engineer. engineer. Yeah. Maybe that's something we should outsource. <laughs> Can't be should, that hard. Let's outsource the production, like the producing. As in the monetary, we're trying. The monetary we've, been trying we've been trying to do that. It gets better. It has its ups and downs. Yeah. One day. Yeah, we want to thank all, all the people that have donated. Yeah, we got a nice, uh, yeah, nice big one the other day uh, from our buddy Jackson. So uh, yeah, you know, here, thanks Jackson. a lot, buddy. Yeah, we thanks. appreciate that. Um, and we appreciate all our subscribers, of course. And uh, yeah. Uh, we might as well kick that off right away. Support the show. You can check out grimerica.ca slash support um, and help keep us ad, commercial, sponsor, affiliate, basically everything free. Yeah, no ads. Oh, you said that. Sorry. I said that. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, big thanks to Napoleon for taking care of all our art needs. Big thanks to all our bloggers. Um, I want to mention t-shirts. People have been asking about t-shirts. And we're looking at uh, a bunch of different designs. Uh, we're just waiting for a little bit more money to be able to, to sort of front, I guess, a, a new batch. So they're coming. Just uh, we're still sort of paying keep, off our studio debts, and, and, and keep keep uh, keep touching base about it. Um, Red Pill Junkie might actually be designing some of his his own T-shirts, and so we got to just find a way to manage that and and get enough money to buy. We'll get buy there. Them and, yeah. We're only two years in, probably. I mean, we're going to have some paradigm expenses coming up. We've got, uh, we're still paying off our mixer and new studio igloo debt. But once we get that off, we can probably squirrel away a bit of money and grab, if we can quit grabbing little random pieces of gear every other fucking week. Then, get rid of our gas problem. Yeah. Then we'll be laughing. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. So thanks. I want to actually, uh, eventually we'll have a bunch of different t-shirts, but it might be, you know, a year or two down the road. Yeah. We got three designs right now. I think that, that listeners have actually sent in, well, one of them red pill junkie made, and then the other two were from listeners. So pretty cool. Yeah. So keep them coming. It is definitely something we are going to do down the road. Like I say, it might be a year or so away before we get to where we need to be to launch that sort of thing. Um, and, and uh, get everything going, but we will get there. So uh, that's another way you can support us. Send those in. Um, of course, the other way is review the show. We do yeah. have a few people to thank for reviews. Yeah, I want to thank a bunch of people. Uh, Dixie D621, Evan Forish, 
uh, Gerlapple, Ora, and where can you do this uh, review, Darren? America.ca slash iTunes. Oh, did you say that? Okay, yeah. This is uh, also Bizarro Titan, uh, Leo Fat, Tufel Hund, John Hunt Morgan, and Alchemist Mama, just to name a, a few of the latest ones. We got some good constructive feedback from Gerlapple as well. Oh, yeah, we should... Uh, mentioning the intro again. Oh, yeah, that's been a hot topic lately. If she is or he is listening. I mean, she probably hasn't listened enough to know that we don't cover any news, or we oh, do We do sometimes with Red Pill Junkie. That's but not the point, though. No, but we try and make it about the, the guests and the listeners, all right? Yeah. That one, there seems to be people on both sides of that. So what we'll do just to fucking... Make it easy. Make it easy. Is I will start to put a timestamp in the show notes that says when the interview starts. So if people don't want to listen to Graham's fucking lazy ramblings, they can just skip ahead. There might be a way to link it too. I'll talk to Wayne or Web Guy. Uh, we haven't made, mentioned him in a while, actually. So people will, uh, if you need any web work or design or anything like that, check out Grime America's official Web Guy, uh, Wayne Darnell. His link at, is always in the show notes. Yeah, darnelldigitallink.com. And uh, I think you can do that, actually. I think I heard... I know you can on YouTube. Right. But I just... I just so really don't care to take the times. So you're thinking about putting a link to the exact spot where the interview starts in the, yeah. in, in the show notes? I don't know if you can... Uh, the other thing is, I don't know if you could do it for the podcast. I know you could do it. I wonder if you could do, like, a separation so that if they hit skip ahead, it would just jump to the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Because like on the yeah. web page, you could maybe do it link-based, but you might be able to chapter it, you know what I mean? So if you skipped it ahead, it just jumped right to there. Right. But either way, we'll put the timestamp in the show notes so that they can, ex at least people that want to fast forward know exactly where to stop. Because yeah. it's a pain if they don't want to listen to it and they have to try and find out where the interview starts. Yeah, and we don't care if people want to listen to just our interviews or don't. No. You know, it makes no difference to us. Uh, makes no difference. Yeah, I got some feedback from some listeners about uh, one of our recent podcasts, if you want me to talk about it. Sure. Fire away. You know, actually, both of them are about um, Ray Cooper, the drummer that I had that experience with at the Elton John concert. That experience. Yeah. yeah. One, of our, one of our listeners that we correspond with quite a bit, Mike, says, uh, Hi, Graham. It's Ray Cooper. I once worked with his daughter. He's a genius. So, obviously, she? this guy's... Huh? Ray. Ray, he's a genius? Yeah. Oh. And then I got one from Urdu 12. Urdu? Yeah, Urdu 12 as well. He says, hey, Graham, first off, I want to thank you for reading my Nirvana on the, nine tw uh, on the N24 post on Grimerica. It was a real thrill hearing that. I've become a subscriber because I enjoy the show so much as you say value for value. Actually, we should have mentioned that in the last little bit, the value for value thing. but That's right. We'll just, do it in the outro. Okay. Just listened to your Matt Swain rock and roll interview and loved it. When you mentioned being so moved by Elton John's drum solo, I had the light bulb go off in my head. Here's why. Back in 1976 or so, I saw Elton John in Manhattan venue called the Palladium. That was Holy what it was shit. called back then. Yeah. I was seeing back. Elton John before I was even born. Really? Oh, when were you born? 81. Holy shit. Five years. Before. Darren wasn't even a twinkle in his dad's eye. It was located downtown on 14th Street, and it was a big deal because it wasn't very large, and Elton John had been selling out all the arenas for a long time. What I heard was he is in financial trouble and wanted to tour with a minimal amount of musicians. 
to be able to hold on to as much of the profits as he could. The entire show was Elton John with Ray Cooper on percussion. I wasn't a huge Elton John fan, and I got the tickets from my sister who couldn't make the show. My expectations were low. It was a blast, still one of the best shows I've ever seen. Ray held his own with Elton John every step of the way, and his musicianship was superb. It was one of those special shows where everyone, audience and musicians, are in total sync. The crowd was enthusiastically crazy, singing along with every song, dancing in the aisles. The vibe was tremendous. After the last song, while Elton and Ray took their bows in front of the screaming audience, they looked at each other and broke out laughing. They could feel it was a great show, too. Since that day, I've always remembered Ray Cooper and the gift he gave us that night in Manhattan all those years ago. Keep up the good work. That's from Michael. Question is, Michael, did you cry? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the same show. Oh, it had to be that like, show? Yeah, it was a different, yeah, it was a different show. He had like three sets of drums. It was pretty crazy. Keep talking. Keep talking. So Darren's trying to trip me up here, and uh, it's time for the profound UFO quote of the week. And fucking bumbling over my soundboard here. And it worked because I, for once, I totally don't have it uh, lined up. Maybe you could make a profound quote that'll someday go into the. No, I don't think so. History books and be read on another podcast. Dead air. <laughs> so here, I'll do this one. I was the pilot of the plane when we saw the UFO. Also on board were Governor Reagan and a couple of his security people. We were flying a Cessna Citation. It was maybe 9 or 10 o'clock at night. We were near Bakersfield, California, when Governor Reagan... And the others called my attention to a big light flying behind my plane. It appeared to be several hundred yards away. It was a fairly steady light until it began to accelerate. Then it appeared to elongate. Then the light took off. It went up at a 45 degree angle at a high rate of speed. Everyone on the plane was surprised. Governor Reagan expressed excitement. I told the author others that I didn't know what it was. The UFO went from a normal cruise speed to a fantastic speed instantly. If you give an airplane power, it will accel accelerate, but not like a hot rod. That's what this was like. And that was from Bull, Bull, Paint, Bull Painter, a pilot with thousands of logged hours in Sacramento, California. Nice. Bakersfield, isn't that like a song? Song? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Dwight Yoakam song? I don't know. How am I supposed to know how? It's country. Huh. Isn't it? With Dwight? Isn't Dwight Yoakam a country guy? Yeah. Absolutely. So I've got a uh, a synchronicity for you too. And um, somebody who I want to uh, somebody who I want to have on the show one 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 of our intros to uh Tell me themselves so I can crush their dreams face to face. <laughs> no, I'm gonna read it now. Hmm. I want a good skull from a synchronicity Graham reads it out, then Darren might give it to me Hey, don't you please read it low, yeah, yeah 
That's one of my favorite jingles from our friend in, in uh, Reflective Air podcast out of the UK. Thanks, buddy. Speaking of having people we should talk to, we should have them on for an intro Yeah, as we well. should do a roundtable with those guys from the UK. All right, so uh, this is a good one. This is from Joseph. He says, hi, Graham. Last summer, I decided to join an occult order to get some intensive, in- intensive instruction in occult sciences. Okay, Darren, you got to pay I'm attention. Listening. This is a good I'm one. Listening. After much research, I decided to join the builders of the... Oh, now I'm going to mispronounce this. I should have checked this out before. Aditum? A-D-Y-T-U-M? Where? Aditum? Aditum? Okay. The builders of the Aditum Order, founded by the late occultist Paul Foster Case. A few weeks later, I was drawn to a Druidic order as I came from a largely Celtic ancestry, and I have a great affinity for nature and spirituality rooted in nature. The order was the ancient order of Druids in America. Some weeks later, I was wondering if the AODA, which would be the ancient order of Druids in America, curriculum was worthwhile when a great blue heron flew up and landed not more than 20 feet in front of me. John Michael Greer, the AODA's arch-druid, has taken the blue heron as his totem animal. I took this as a clear sign. Later that day, I was listening to Freighter X's podcast, The Middle Chamber. His guest was none other than John Michael Greer. In the interview, Freighter X explains that he had recently joined two orders, the Builders of Aditum and the Ancient Order of Druids in America. I was stunned. Months later, John Michael Greer came back on the middle chamber, and this time Freighter X recounted that prior to the interview, a great blue heron had flown over him. Again, I was stunned. Anyway, I've been meaning to send this to you guys for a while. I love your show. Thanks, Joseph, Joseph Druitt. P.S. I have recently quit my day job and started an astrology practice. So if you have any interest in astrology or learning about your birth chart, send me a message. I'm doing donation basis consults for a, for a short time and feel free to give out my email to anyone you know who might want some astro- astrological insights. Peace. So I'll put that in the show notes. Hmm. That's I love that one. That's a crazy one. I don't think I've ever seen a blue heron of you. Just the other day. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> After you're going to join an occult order? I don't play that shit. 7.2. Oh, that's a good one. Not bad. Thanks for the email, Joseph. That was great. And I'll I'll send you all my information for reading. I came here looking for something I couldn't find anywhere else Hey, I'm not trying to know what else you got. That's about it, buddy. I've spent a thousand miles <laughs> I went to, uh... Oh, yeah, you went to yes, I went to a psychedelic semi-formal in Calgary. And uh, there was uh, three speakers there. Uh, one of them was talking about how acid saved her life, actually. I'd met her the night before at a party. And, uh... Yeah, she was, uh, in quite the state. And then she, she tried this, um acid and it totally gave her hope 
And then they had somebody else on who uh, was reading from his book, and then... Right, <laughs> 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 A little delayed. <laughs> Hope you can adjust that in editing. Uh, and then fuck, I, yeah. and then James uh, Jesso was there. He he's written a couple books and he's a great speaker on the subject. He's and, coming uh, in the igloo. He's going to come the first the igloo, person yeah. to come in the igloo. In the new igloo, yeah. Yeah. You haven't come in the igloo yet. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I might beat him. You might. Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, Oh, we already have. Yeah, no, I think this will be the first time we can do it all properly, too. Remember last time we couldn't? Yeah, I we think had we had no option of adding a third mic, so oh, right, we had to yeah. use that stupid Yeti. So we can use four mics in here, though, right? Four? Yeah. Why four? Oh, because we'll have Randall and Ed Nightingale here as well coming up soon, right? Randall yeah, Carlson? we can do four, yeah. So the other thing I want to mention is uh, we... I just want to talk about a couple other things coming to Calgary as well. Um, there's a C-SETI event coming up at the end of August. And um, I can either... Is Richard coming to town? You, no, Richard's not coming to town. Are you um, Are you coming to that, Darren? I don't know. Yeah, you'll, you'll when come. When is right? it? It's the end of August. Uh, you De- said that. You Deb, mentioned that. Yeah, Deb Warren is coming. So we can either participate in one night, I think it's uh, Saturday night, or we could get some interest and do like a Friday night one as well. So if people are interested, we know there's a few, you know, a few local listeners in Calgary and uh, let me know. And otherwise I'll, I'll just sign up to the Saturday night one. You know, I'm not a big C-SETI. C-SETI. This will blow so, your mind, buddy. You can... Sucker and succotash. What if we see so. some like crazy ships out there? I'll do that if you make a crop circle with me. Oh. Don't do that. Don't put that on me, buddy. Well, you could be a faker breaker. I was talking about <laughs> making crop circles with the guys at a party on Friday. They wanted to make one. I'm like, oh, what's going Perfect. on? We could, get, we could recruit them. We don't want to do it by ourselves. I don't want to participate. Well, I don't want to participate in CSETI. So it's a compromise. So the other thing that's coming to town is a Modern Knowledge Tour on Saturday, August 22nd. These guys put on some great uh, lectures, and we've got Nassim Harriman coming, Marty Leeds, and Patty Greer. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That'll be a great day of uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, yeah, that one's coming up. I think it's like 70, 72 bucks a ticket, maybe, all day. That's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's quite, a bit, going up too. it's quite a bit more to buy your ticket that day, so you should buy it online first. So yeah, you're going to come to that? When's that again? That's August 22nd. <laughs> Both at the end of August? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'll see how much time I have. Pretty and then busy. we've got Randall that, that weekend before that. So that's three weekends in a row. So plan it out. Tell your wife now. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, well, the Randall one, I'm going to, that's the most important for sure. Cause they're going to come here for the bonfire and then we're going to follow them out on the road Saturday night. Uh, fr- Yeah. And then come back Sunday. Yeah. Probably. And I'm gonna need a tent. I got a little no, I'm not sleeping in your <laughs> fucking one man tent with you. There's no chance that's happening. I'll sleep in the bush. Or in your I'll sleep in your car. Yeah, it's not the best car for sleeping in either. It's better than a one man tent with Graham. 
Absolutely. Any more synchros? Uh, no, that's it, buddy. We got one synchro in all that time? Yeah. People haven't heeded the call to Spamgram. Spamgram, yeah. G-R-A-H-A-M at gramerica.com. Send us your trip reports, your synchronicities, UFO sightings, crazy experiences. Whatever. It's all good. Send it all. Send it all. Nah. You don't have any stories and just send your cash. <laughs> right on, buddy. Uh, Do you got anything else? Um... We should have talked a bit more about our, our guest coming up, but it was a great chat with John Micah about autism and and he's pretty he's pretty open minded. He doesn't have a dogmatic view about this, but he's definitely questioning uh what's going on, why is there an increase in autism and of course there's some related uh, incidents with vaccines and stuff like that and there's some looks like some cover up going on. Oh yeah, we'll get some blowback on this one. You think sure. so? Yeah. We got blowback on the last one. Absolutely. That's okay. That's That's okay. okay. We, we, we be, can talk about that. Grandma will be changing the show. No, I don't do that. <laughs> no. That's pretty funny. Considering the conversation we just had. So, um, you got anything else? No, that's Nothing it, buddy. Else? No. There are two week I'm saving some. You're saving some yeah. for next week. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, we'll leave it at that then. You guys should enjoy the chat with John Micah, and we will pick you up in the outro. Davis's real big one. I love you. At this point, you suddenly see. Mark Davis's real big one. I. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. At this point, this point, you suddenly see the wrong record is about to play. So you adjust yourself and add. But before we play big number 10 for the week, here's lovely Helen Francis with her offering of more than you know. There are other ways of handling the situation. You could say... Okay, guys, in Grimerica tonight, we are going to be talking the autistic holocaust with Johnny Micah. Um, hopefully, our technical savvy is a little better than the first half of the doubleheader. But how's it going, buddy? You, you ended up fighting through most of that one yourself. Yeah, that's okay. It was all it was all good. Yeah, I'm excited about this one too. We've got John Micah here, and his book's called "The Autistic Holocaust: The Reason Our Children Keep Getting Sick." Kind of half expose and half deeply personal saga um john's you know written this obviously from the heart he's had uh kids of his own and he's talking about um the good and the bad and the ugly about vaccines and gmos and flu shots and all that good stuff and i'm sure like we mentioned before we started recording here john you've got lots of stuff to talk about so welcome to the show well thank you uh, uh graham and darren it's a pleasure and uh, honor to be here yeah, this one, Darren, Darren's got a couple young kids, and this, this topic keeps coming up here, vaccines, and obviously with the, the latest stuff going on, we're in California, I guess, with some forced vaccines, and it seems to be quite the polarized topic, like vaccines, global warming, and uh, what's the other one? There's like three big <laughs> kind of topics where people seem to land on one GMOs. side or the other. Yeah, GMOs. So, um, yeah. 
So how's your book, uh, how's, how's the um, receptivity been to your book so far? Well, it's, it's been pretty good. I've been, uh, I've, one lady wanted five books, uh, and, you know, I've been getting all kinds of uh, people responding. Um, you know, and you mentioned I have a child, I have actually one child with, with a diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder, uh, and that's what got me to write this book. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, this book, uh, I couldn't have done it with, without the help of my son, who's autistic, and uh, my dad got me involved in this whole thing. And I was, I was just fortunate enough uh, to get a publicist and a publisher that were willing to take on the topic because uh, the whole problem with the publishing industry is there's only really six major companies uh, that, that, that will publish your work. And if it goes against the mainstream uh, you know, uh, thought process or if it, if it doesn't uh, you know, gel into what they're uh, trying to sell, then it's very hard to get anything published. And so I was very fortunate uh, to hook up with Trine Day um, and they, they take on topics nobody else will. So, uh, but it, it's a great product, and uh, it, it's been edited by one of the best scientific researchers in the entire country, Nick Bryant. And, uh, you know, I tell my whole life story in here. It's not just a book full of facts and figures, uh, although it's supported by nothing but scientific in, information and fact. You know, I tell my whole life story in here, mm-hmm. relation my father and son. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I kind of focused on our government here. Uh, the uh, Oversight Committee on Government Reform addressed this issue on the rising prevalence rates of autism. And uh, in two years ago, it was uh, one in 68. Uh, uh, one out of 68 children were diagnosed as being uh, autistic or okay. having an autism spectrum. Now, it was Daryl Isa. He was the uh, chair, uh, uh, chair of the Oversight Committee on Government Reform. And he actually declared that uh, if the rate should ever go higher than that in 2012, higher than one in 88, he said at that time, uh, then we in fact do have a, uh, an epidemic. And uh, it has gone higher than that. Of course, now the official number in the United States anyway is one out of every 68 children. Hmm. Uh, and so by the government's own admission, we have a epidemic and a crisis on our hands. And, 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 and the problem is our own uh, uh, Centers for Disease Control here in the United States refuse to recognize it as such, and they sort of downplay everything. Uh, and we're talking all kinds of things that are not disclosed to the public or downplayed. Uh, you know, the actual vaccinations themselves uh, are demonstrated to be harmful. And what they're telling us is, you know, they aren't that harmful. You know, don't listen to these people. Don't give them credence. And, you know, we're, we're being told we're crazy if we don't get these vaccinations. You also mentioned California. I think it was uh, I just got an email from somebody here recently. Uh, it was uh, Dr. Uh, or Senator uh, Richard Pan. He was a doctor who uh, introduced that bill and had it passed and signed uh, uh, with uh, forced vaccinations with no exemptions for children. Hmm. Uh, and the funny thing is about that, one of the people that volunteered for, uh, for seven years came out with um, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. That's a, 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 paral- a paralyzing disorder. You can get simply from the flu shot. He got it from the... Uh, a tetanus, uh, diphtheria, acellular pertussis, DTaP vaccine. Uh, and, in fact, uh, you know, there's cases of it in Canada, and, uh, you know, I, I, could, I could go on and on about the deleterious effects of these vaccinations. But I believe there's a uh, uh, not too many people are going to accept the thesis that, you know, there's a, a, a link between these vaccinations and autism. It's a hot-button hot button, hot button topic. And so, uh, I unco- I, you know, I address that in the book. And... Uh, I look at what basically, going back to history, what has been done and how the government protects these pharmaceutical industries. 
Uh, and we really can't even sue these people, if they, even if they harm us or kill us, uh, and they willfully do it on purpose. Uh, you know, they're, they're protected by law, as is Monsanto's. Talk about GMOs. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a love affair with, with the government and with pharmaceutical companies and the bio, uh, multinationals. And uh, we're pretty much uh, collateral damage. And, you know, and it's the age-old thing. You know, everyone's got a theory, well, there's a big, uh, you know, the government's corrupt and this and that. And, you know, but, but where? You know, show me where. Give me an example of how they are specifically. They've been corrupt since there was government formed. But now it's getting to the point where more and more children are getting harmed. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and there's verbal anecdotal case after case of uh, children getting harmed through these things. Uh, does it happen in every single case? Absolutely not. But, you know, it happens so often that we really got to take a look at what we're doing and how we're doing it. And I believe that when we talk about autism or any neurological disorder, that there is an environmental factor that we're, we're kind of overlooking. We're not really putting enough monies into, uh, you know, we're looking at genetics, okay. Uh, we're looking at the fact that the diagnosis has been broadened or simply the fact that, well, you know, there's, you know, these people were around all along and we're just diagnosing it better. And that's, that I can categorize categorically deny or blow up every one of those thoughts. Uh, the fact is there's just more and more of these people around. And one doctor, by the way, uh, and I am I, not the smartest man in the world, but I can read and, uh, you know, I've done, it put me like 10,000 hours to put this whole book together over two and a half years of my life. So, um, you know, I read a lot of scientific research things. One doctor said he estimated by the year 2020, one out of every two children uh, would be uh, following this autism spectrum disorder. By um, when, sorry? And, and it, yeah, well, he, he, uh, I think he said, like, by 2020. <laughs> and, and, you know, right now, just go to Utah. I, I, uh, I can tell you the uh, prevalence rate is one out of every 26 kids. In Utah, and, really? In, in New Jersey, one out of every 26. So, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's an epidemic. It's it's not just. We don't even just look at the United States, but look at this thing globally. So there's something that's going on here, and these are the issues that I address in my book. Is, is there uh, is there also an issue with with changing the definition of all the disorders that are a part of autism spectrum disorder? Like, how do they keep the stats uh, standardized across the decades? Well, you know, you know, know? we, we got to look at how we define that. In fact, <laughs> excuse me, it was the. Um, the uh, DSM, that's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, that would be the, uh, the uh, and it would be the ICD-9 in Europe. I don't know if you use that in Canada. That's the International Classification of Diseases. Right. And uh, it wasn't even until 1980 that this, and that, that the third edition, by the way, of the DSM, that uh, infantile autism was recognized. Hmm. And in 1994, they had the DSM-4 uh, text revision, and it, it actually recognized Asperger's syndrome. Well, and everybody said, well, they broadened the definition. But, you know, if you really look at, and I have a whole chapter on what the definition of this thing is, so okay. parents can look through this and, for themselves, uh, you can clearly see where they've narrowed the definition, and it is so hard to get an autism spectrum diagnosis. And that's the standard that we have to go by. Uh, the DSM here and, and the ICD in, in, in Europe, uh, or I don't know if it is in Canada. I'm, uh, I'm not up on what is going on in Canada, uh, other than they, it's a great country. Um, it, you know, outside of that, um, you know, they've done away now with the Asperger's definition. They've done away with uh, uh, 
pervasive developmental uh, disorders not otherwise specified. So even playing statistical trickery, mm-hmm. even getting uh, you know the names and changing the names of these things, this prevalence rate keeps going up and up and up. So even when you you know you you take out a few hundred thousand of these kids, the rate still goes up. And, and now the problem is that these kids that still have these disorders, they can no longer get any type of services that would be covered under uh, their insurance because they no longer fall under a diagnosis of such. Huh. And my son, by the way, wasn't even, his diagnosis of an autism spectrum disorder was not even confirmed until uh, uh, 2014, of July. So he went through the system. And nobody even found out what his problem was, or he wasn't uh, completely diagnosed until that time. Hmm. So, and how, how old is he now? Well, he's 28. Yeah. He, he just turned 28 uh, uh, in August. And, uh, and like I say, he, he's, you know, as I noticed him as he was growing up, and, and we didn't have a loving family with a, a tragic divorce. Uh, divorce is the, the children, so for the most in divorces. And I always thought my son had a, a, a developmental disorder of some kind. And, you know, I always thought, well, maybe he, you know, just maybe there's something wrong with my son and I just have to accept him and love him. I even thought to the point where, well, maybe the divorce was making him withdrawn and not to the point where he wants to ever leave the house, you know, unless he has to go to the doctor, uh, having behavioral problems, having communicative uh uh, problems, uh, and that's what autism is. It affects your, your, you know, child's ability to communicate. Not just children, but uh, you know, adults. It affects uh, an individual's ability to uh, communicate, um, socialize, and the behavioral aspects. And some of these kids, by the way, that fall on this ASD spectrum or adults, uh, they cannot lead a normal lives. In fact, two thirds of the people on this spectrum never can lead a normal life, and they require help for the rest of their lives. And, you know, the parents, you know, wonder, the greatest fear for a parent of an autistic child is who's going to take care of my kid when I'm not around anymore? Because they're going to need help and they're going to get abused. And it's terrible. Um, the average cost, by the way, of raising one autistic child, uh, and this is by the Harvard Business Law and also uh, Autism Speaks, uh, came up with a statistic of uh, a figure of $3.2 million lifetime care cost to take care of one autistic child. So this is a, a huge uh, uh, cost factor. It's, we're talking in the you know, billions of dollars, $136 billion annually uh, to take care of these autistic uh, children. And, you know, it, it, it is a big problem. Uh, go back to the 70s when I didn't even hear of it. And neither did Congressman uh, Wells. He was on the Oversight Committee on Government Reform. During his rounds, he never noticed it. But now uh, he went on to observe that there were more and more of these patients uh, that he was looking at. So uh, it's there. It's real. uh, And and it's a huge, huge problem. And there's just not enough attention being brought on this. The focus now is on let's love these children. And I love my son. It doesn't matter how he got hurt. It doesn't matter if he was injured by a vaccine, as many children are. The fact is, in the end, we as parents are, are in a position where we love our children regardless. But, you know, is there anything we can do to help our children? And yes, there is. But we have to recognize things early. 
we have to have the resource, resources to know where we can go and what we can do. So there's hope mm-hmm. for any child, but not just for any parent, you know, that has an autistic child. And there's hope for any autistic uh, children. So, so is there some vaccines that you've found uh, through your research that are worse than others? I mean, I know we, we've heard, we've talked about the flu vaccine a little bit on here because we've heard from friends of ours in the UK that, you know, there were studies that shown that the flu vaccine actually didn't work. It had some, something like a 5% success rate and it basically caused more people to, to get sick than, than stopping it. I mean, I've never had a flu vaccine, I don't think, in my life and I don't really get the flu. Um that's just one little aspect of it. But then there's all the other vaccinations that parents are pressured into to doing. So is there is there some advice that you can give to parents of, I don't know, I don't even, I hate even asking the question. Darren, you're, you're a parent. Do you know what I'm getting at? Like, which, is there some vaccines that are okay and some that aren't? I got a tetanus <laughs> shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let me just give you a... There's a campaign uh, that several organizations are on. I think of my one of my favorite organizations, Vaccine Liberation Army, and Eileen Deniman uh, is well known here in the United States, and uh, she stood up before Congress and testified before, and she has a uh, uh, a very close friend who I'll leave nameless at this point because her life is actually in danger because she's so outspoken against these harmful effects of some of these, if not all of these, vaccinations on children. And she actually had uh, a sister she lost to, um, you know, autism as a result of a vaccination, and she died. Uh, so these things actually do kill people. Uh, we can actually get paralyzed from the flu shot. Uh, you know, Joan Beach was a uh, nursing professor in Southern Connecticut University. Now, she was by all uh, a picture of health prior to her second flu shot she ever got. And she came down with the worst case of Guillain-Barre syndrome uh, the doctors had ever seen. And, and they attributed that directly to her flu shot. You also mentioned, uh, I'll use the word efficacy, you know, how effective is the flu shot. Well, since the CDC here has been keeping records, they themselves state, well, it's maybe 10 to 60% effective. I think that's a stretch. Uh, you know, and we look at, they even said last year that it was 9% effective. Uh, Sorry, and, what was that? And, you know. 23% effective, and, you know, and, and, and prior to that, they said 9% if you're over 65 years nine, of age. Nine? 9%. Huh. They said for, for over 65 years of age, uh, the previous year, they said it was 9% effective. Huh. And, and they still contend, but it's still better to take some, you know, precautions than it is to, hey, listen, I was in the hospital recently for a non-related, uh, in, you know, thing, and they had asked me, well, uh, did you, I, I had some kind of symptoms, but I, I don't think I had the flu or anything like that. And, and natural immunity is the best thing regardless. But, um, you know, the doctor said, well, have you had a, a Tamiflu shot? That, that's to attenuate the flu. And I said, no, and I'm not going to get one either. Uh, at that point, it's too late. Uh, a sick person cannot take, you know, take the flu shot. And there's all kinds of reasons I can think of not to get a vaccination. Am I telling people not to get vaccinated? No. That's not what I'm saying at all. But as I have found, and as many people have found, if they become a little better educated, we have something that's called, we're entitled to this, by the way, informed consent. And we really don't get that as much as we get, you know, get the flu shot. You can't afford to be down. You can't afford to miss your appointments. You know, be healthy, be smart, go get a flu shot. And, and, and again, it's, it's drummed in our heads that, you know, 
these things are safe. The other people are wrong. It's just ridiculous if you don't get a vaccination. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not just going to accept that at face value, especially when I know so many people that have had, uh, you know, as I say, uh, deleterious effects from these vaccinations. And there's countless, countless other people. Look at uh, Congressman Burton. He was uh, chair of the Oversight uh, Committee on Government Reform here in the United States. Now, his grandson, uh, when in his second year of life, went in for, uh, he got nine vaccines in one day. And shortly thereafter, he came down with autism, you know, started banging his head against the wall, couldn't go to the bathroom properly, everything. And it was Congressman Burton that was in a position to bring this. He brought nine hearings into light between 2000 and 2004 with, with skating reports on how there is an association between neurological disorders. And at the time, thimerosal, which is mercury by, you know, 49.6% by weight, which is a known neurotoxin. And it's still used in, in the flu shot uh, today. And not all flu shots have it, but, you know, and then they've got insect-based vaccines and uh, kidney, dog-kidney-based vaccines. And, uh, but it, it goes to efficacy. It goes to efficacy. Really, the best thing you can do when you get a flu is, is to wash your hands uh, or, you know, to avoid it, wash your hands, uh, cover your mouth. Uh, hey, how did people, how did people, you know, let's go back, okay? I don't care if you subscribe to what the Bible says or not, I happen to, and people, if I read that and believe it, used to live to be 900 years old, all right? And they didn't have flu shots back then. So here we are, and, and you know, we're saying, well, these things have made life longer. We're living longer now because of these things. Yet we have a higher mortality rate than many other countries do that don't have the uh, recommended vaccination schedule that our country does also. You asked me what are the worst or the most uh, harmful ones. You know, I'll look at the MMR vaccine uh, historically as being suspect mm-hmm. and the DTAP being as being suspect. But what we don't do and what the CD does not do is they don't take all these combinations of all these vaccines and do studies on those. They might look at one or another or they'll look at, you know, a group of individuals and attenuate the situation to make it look as if there's no effect. And our own government has done that in the past. And they've been guilty of it, and it's brought to light now through FOIA requests, uh, through parents, through concerned parents. Uh, and there's been many people that have won millions of dollars in awards because they've been injured uh, through these vaccinations. So am I saying don't get a vaccine? Uh, no. But educate yourself. You know, what's in these vaccines? Uh, okay, let me ask you this. Let's say you go to get a shot, and it, you read the ingredients. By the way, you're supposed to get a package ingredient listing by uh, FDA law. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're entitled. What's MR? Uh, what's MRC five? What the hell is that? Okay. Well, that's aborted fetal cell lines. So they got a cute little name for it. And, and you know, I, I have a I have a feeling that if if many people knew they they were using uh, aborted fetal cell lines in these vaccinations or these vaccines, there's ten of them that we use aborted fetal cell lines on today. That some people would think, well, why are we doing it that way? Why aren't we using animal cell lines? Because it's cheaper, basically. But these things, you know, and the government went 20 years before they admitted they were using these things. Hmm. And there's one doctor in the book, and she actually comes to a very compelling argument that these things are the basis why our epidemic continues to rise, because they removed the thimerosal primarily in 2002. Uh, GS uh, GlaxoSmithKline, uh, one of the largest manufacturers, 
depleted their uh, remaining stock in 2002 after being ordered to discontinue it in 1999. And so she says, she makes a point and she, she looks at, you know, different change points for birth years and the introduction of these specific types of vaccines and notices an increase in, in the, uh, in the prevalence. And, um, you know, so it, it, it goes to, it goes to say that there's something we need to look at. I think she's got a compelling argument. I, I think uh, throughout the history, we have to look at what the government has done. And, you know, I don't know that there's really a good agenda other than this is the true agenda. And we look at California, okay? Now, this is just the beginning uh, to vaccinate. I think it's the CDC's position and whose position to vaccinate every man, woman, and child on the planet. Otherwise, now we're looking at, okay, you can't take your kid to school unless you're homeschool. Um, you may not be able to work unless you get vaccinated. And, and so and here we are. What about, you know, uh, free right? What about uh, right to choose? Yeah. And, you know, that's it's being taken away from us. And there's really a, it goes beyond autism. It goes beyond uh, the vaccinations hurting us. And, you know, there are so much scientific evidence or studies, I'll say, that support that vaccines do not hurt us. And that's what's called, uh, you know, and, and, and when you tell me, when you tell me that, uh, I'll give you an example, that mercury in the vaccinations does not cause under any way, shape, or form uh, autism, I'll tell you that that's sort of impossible to prove because what you're proving is a nil hypothesis, as Oler and Oler stated in their book, that's, um, it was called Autism, the Diagnosis, Treatment, and Ideology of the Undeniable Ep Epidemic. And they made a point when we're saying that uh, we're, we're proving that these things, in other words, we're stating that these vaccinations can't hurt us, I'm going to tell you it's impossible to show me that in any combination in, in studies and controls because you'd have to show me every single case in which mercury uh, does not cause autism in every single case, in every single situation, and that can't be done through any number of studies. The best you can do is, is disprove that by disproving a nil hypothesis. In other words, the one time it does, the one time it does, then everything else you say is suspect, and it means there's a possibility that it can. Yeah. But there are, some, there are a lot of scientific studies that draw a correlation between neurological damage and, and, and vaccinations, and it could be a synergistic effect. I mean, we're looking at a lot of vaccinations at one time. And, uh, you know, and, and we're not looking at some of these things maybe that we should be looking at. And we really can't do uh, a, a purely um, vaccinated versus unvaccinated study. I don't think you'll ever really, really see that. Um, and there's something being done here, but they're looking at, uh, you know, they're looking at uh, cohorts of uh, autistic children saying that, you know, it's not the vaccines, but it's the fact that they're autistic uh, cohort, their brothers or sisters you know, uh, simply have autism, but they're not looking at unvaccinated families. They, they really can't because by law you have to be vaccinated. And there's mm -hmm. not, I don't think the controls or groups or, or the government or local or federal state agency can say, all right, let's not vaccinate this whole crowd of people, these 100,000 or 1 million people for 10 years and follow them and see how they do. So, so a lot of people, so, a lot of people are on the other side of this and they're, you know, any kind of belief in this and, you know, and you're labeled, they'll label you, you know, conspiracy theorist or whatever, or, you know, quack job. And, and, uh, they just, they just don't believe there's corruption in the FDA and the, and the big pharma and, and, uh, you know, the vaccine safety, <laughs> safety data link is, 
is all above board and all that. So do you have a couple things? Like if, if you somebody approaches you on the street and you have this discussion with them and they're fully on the other side, like how do you approach that? Or is there a couple main key items you can tell people that really just don't have an open mind that, that there's anything going wrong here? Well, I've got to address the fact that you say uh, people don't believe the government's corrupt. I think there, if, I, if I was to just go out and do a survey, and I've done this, um, I say nine out of ten people believe the government's corrupt. Yeah, but, the, yeah, but, that, yeah, okay. but that's, that's the government. This is kind of more like Big Pharma or the FDA. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if people associate okay, them with the gotta, government. Okay, what you got to understand is that these, these industries control the government and they control the legislation of the government. Yeah, I, I get uh, that, they, but how do you explain that to somebody that, I, I understand that, but how do you explain it to somebody that's not there yet? All right, let's look at the VSD, the Vaccine Safety Data Line. That's been compromised. And I, I write a nice chapter on that, and, you know, and, and there's a couple scientists that, the first two that ever got access to the Vaccine Safety Data Line, and they went through, uh, they went through hell getting in in the first place. Then their data was manipulated, mm-hmm. uh, and they were up in a whole other direction. And, uh, you know, finally they, they got to court, and, and they're um, uh, in the uh, Institute of Medicine uh, hearing in 2004, actually, and, uh, you know, their, their effect was showed to be, uh, their correlation in their studies was shown to be of not, not an effect. But uh, what, what they were doing, they were arguing with somebody that worked for the CDC that, uh, that added something to their results. He added for one- and two-year-old children, which don't get the same amount of shots as these people that they studied. So we're talking about statistical trickery. Uh, and then in 2005, they came out, the ION came out with the uh, quality assurance uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the, uh, the report. It was the Quality Trust and Assurance Report, something of that nature, guaranteeing uh, independent uh, researchers more access, freedom of access to this information. And to this day, you know, uh, one scientist I know, a very credible scientist, I might add, uh, can't get in. His, her, her appeal to get into the VSD has been denied. So... Um, it goes on, and there's so many studies on the PubMed, uh, you know, that, of scientists that are into this, doing, uh, you know, studies out of the uh, uh, vaccine safety uh, data link. And, but they work for these government agencies. They work for the CDC, and they're directly tied into the problem that we need to address. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, and, and, and so if somebody comes down the street and says, well, you're crazy, you know, uh, you know, it's been proven. I'm going to say, well, who's proven it? Where, how do you come by way of your information? And what about this study? What about that study? Um, what about the people that have been hurt by these vaccinations? I mean, are you telling me that they all of a sudden came down with autism because they just got it one day? And it's awful funny how they go to a baby well visit and some of the babies end up dead or some of the babies end up with autism because they had a baby well visit. You know, there's something called the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System that's VARS here in the United States. Okay. And half of the deaths are from sudden infant death syndrome. And some of those deaths are labeled sudden infant death syndrome, where they're actually fault of the vaccinations they received during a baby well visit. So, well, let's relabel it. And now we can't look at the fact that these vaccines are harming these children. Right, right. But, you know, and so... Somebody that I talk to on the street, many people don't agree with me. That's fine. I'm not out to change anybody's mind. I'm not telling anybody. They can, I'm not trying to win over people. That's not what I'm trying to do here. All I'm trying to bring is awareness to a topic 
that sorely needs to be addressed. It's a hot-button topic. And, and the, 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 everything I list in the book is factual. I don't make stuff up. I pull studies that have supported and do support what I say. And as I mentioned to you earlier, this book easily could have been a 1,000 pages. But most people, like myself, don't like to read a 1,000 pages. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not that, I'm really not, you know. I, I just read well and have good memory retention. But I talk to some of these doctors, <laughs> and I talk to some of these scientists. <clears throat> so, uh, and there you have, there you have a case where uh, some people are going to say, no, John, this isn't the way it is. The government doesn't lie to us. The, the CDC always looks out for our best interests. And I can, I can look at this, and I can, you know, go over item by item. Well, show me how they do and that's why in this book, you know, I list specific items and how they don't look out for our best interest, how they have manipulated data, how they have been a malfeasance, how they have been looking out for the best interest of these pharmaceutical companies, and how the pharmaceutical companies and the multinational companies really have a lock on where the money goes to get spent, what bills get passed, and what bills don't get passed. And what studies so, get released, I guess, too, right? Well, that, too. Now, there was some of the Government Office of Accountability. There was another hearing on autism. Uh, not, it was after the one in 2012. And it was that office that suggested that a lot of these studies were duplicitous that the CDC was doing. They were giving them, you know, names under different names and basically doing the same studies. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I think there's a lot of uh, duplicity, you know, doing the same study under a different name. Um, and... And again, a lot of your funding for your studies, and please understand, you can make a study state anything you want. There are very good studies done, by the way, on on the uh, quote-unquote pro-science camp that says, well, look at this study, look at this study. And there's also some poor ones done by the same, you know, sciences for the best. And, And they're only looking at specifically that, but they're not looking at a bigger picture. They're not looking at the history. They're not looking at all the things that go along. So I think you really have to look at a bigger picture, too. Hmm. And, you know, you know and, and people, there are a lot of people on board with what I'm saying. And, you know, the thing is, things are not going to get better right away. Uh, it's going to require autism uh, prevalence to become far worse than it is for people to look around and say, well, now, wait a minute, how come one out of every two children have autism? We're doing something different we didn't do in the 70s or the 80s. We're, we're simply burdening our children, maybe with more stuff than they need to get. And, you know, let's look at the hepatitis B vaccine. Why is a six-month-old baby given a, a shot for a sexually transmitted disease? I don't know any two-year-olds that go out and have sex. So you lose me on that one. Uh, you know, this is a common sense type of a thing. And our children now, before they, they, they reach, you know, school age or whatever, they get 49 vaccinations. Wow. I, got, I got like four, okay? And, and a, lot of, a lot of my friends didn't have all these problems. And it, it's the whole concept of herd immunity. I was just going to ask you about and, that. I wanted to know what you thought about that. Well, I don't, I don't agree with herd immunity because, right. first of all, we're not cattle. We're not cattle, all right? We're human beings. And as human beings, what separates us from other, uh, other species of life on the planet is we, are, we have the ability to think and reason. And when we look at what these things do, we, historically, just look at historically what you can find. You know, that's, there's another point. 
aside from the fact that I don't agree with herd immunity, it's forced upon populations of people. As it, it has been throughout history, there were Dr. Uh, Archie uh, Calacarinos, he was an uh, aboriginal doctor in charge of the Nor- Northern, Terri- ter- Northern Territory in the 70s. And what they were doing, uh, if, as far as herd immunity amongst these people that barely could eat right, was they were rounding them up in Land Rovers and, you know, taking children away from their mothers that were screaming. They didn't want their kids vaccinated. Many of the children died, uh, and then they got their booster shot. If the first or second one didn't kill them, then the third one or the fourth one would. And the doctor actually reversed the effects uh, of, of their sickness by giving them vitamin C, and he was a chastised for it. Mm-hmm. And he talked to a friend of his who uh, actually was in a governmental position that told him, we're trying to increase the mortality rate. Um, and go above that, you know, eugenics, euthanasia, what is it, eugenics or whatever they, you know. Eugenics, um, eugenics, yeah. We're going to have, we're going to have, what, 9 billion people on the planet soon? There's not enough resources for all these people. Maybe there is, not the way we're doing things. And so, you know, maybe it goes beyond that. Maybe it's a little deeper. Okay, maybe it's even deeper than autism. So I look at really a much bigger picture when I look at this, and I look at some of the uh, the cases where there are people that have won awards because their vaccination, uh, MMR vaccination, in one case, Bailey Banks, all right? Now, here's a child that went through the autism, omnib- autism omnibus proceedings, and there's three special masters that oversee this out of thousands and thousands of cases. You know, it takes like seven years to go through this court. It's the only recourse uh, children and parents of a vaccine injury have. Um, and it, it, and after his shots, he was in, his eyes were rolling, you know, seizures and whatnot, and it was determined uh, through two uh, neurologists that he suffered from ADEM, that's acute um, disseminated encephalomyelitis. Well, that's basically just an autoimmune uh, disorder that attacks our own brain tissue. And so this is what this child uh, received. Uh, and, it, and by the way, the uh, ADEM has been linked uh, to... Uh, MMR previously. So what the, what the uh, master able determined was that Bailey Banks uh, received uh, his, um, you know, because of his ADM, it was acquired through his, uh, his, his shots, and that resulted in his pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, which in fact does fall on the autism spectrum disorder. Now, had the parents come out and just said, well, my son got autism because of a shot, that would have been blown right out of the water as it has for, for other cases that have been brought before the, uh, the vaccine court. And that's another thing. Why do we have a vaccine court, you know? <laughs> that whole thing was established back in 1986 by the uh, National uh, Childhood uh, Vaccination, National, uh, National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, established in 1986. In 88, the, uh, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program come out and said, you know, we cannot sue these vaccine manufacturers uh, in the event, unavoidable event of injury or death, you know, uh, if these vaccinations uh, are administered, uh, how they're supposed to be administered. We can't sue them because of that. Uh, and, and then in the Homeland Security Bill, you're, you guys are familiar with 9-11, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, George Bush signed that into law, the Homeland Security Act, and that reinforced what the... Uh, what the vaccine injury compensation program had, had put into law, but now it was under the guise of a red herring of uh, national security to 
make sure vaccines uh, are protected, our vaccine manufacturers are protected. So at that point, it was it was in addition to the fact that we couldn't sue these places uh, or manufacturers because they hurt our children or they died as a result, even if it was due to willful neglect. So even if they willfully kill us and they give us bad lots of stuff, we can't sue them. Um, and to me, that's a that's one travesty and injustice. And they've mass produced one after another. So this is all part of the government. This is all part of, of the CDC. And when people say conspiracy, by the way, that's just one one say of you know a way of dismissing a, an argument based on on plausible uh, significant argument. Um, and you know. The truth is we don't know what causes autism. We don't know what causes autism. That, that's, a, that's a fact. Um, can we suspect it is caused by, you know, this? Yes, we can. Can we say it's definitely not caused by this? No, we can't. And so we really have to look at certain things that we're really not looking at or refuse to look at because no scientist in the right mind is going to take on that argument. Because it's been proven, and I mentioned scientists in the book that have taken on that argument, and they lose they lose their licenses, and they got to move. You know, it's like it, it, and same thing with Monsanto's. You know, Arpad Arpad he lost his license in this funding, and he was drummed out of business because he said that uh, you know the Russian uh, the potatoes are giving the rats problems, you know, and so we shouldn't really be feeding these rats potatoes, or we maybe shouldn't. Eat them. What, uh, I'm curious as to what the rates are like, uh, someplace over on the other side of the world, like say a Russia, what, uh, what would their vaccine schedule be like? Well, I can tell you that we have the most aggressive vaccine schedule and in, in, I think in the entire world, we have the most aggressive vaccine schedule. And of course, in my research, I primarily focused on what it was here in the United States, because obviously that's where I live. And uh, I can tell you, I've seen, uh, I know in some countries, they're just not as frequently. You know, I, I know people in Sweden that can speak Swedish, and I know they don't have the same uh, vaccine, vaccine schedule. And, and there's also timing differences. You know, these, these children, some of these children are allowed to space out their vaccinations. And in India, okay, they have a very uh, regimented uh, vaccine schedule, and they have problems with these, with these children as a result thereof. Some of the children die as a result thereof. And, but there's something to be said, you know, just for natural immunity. Um, does our body need help? Well, sometimes I believe our body does need help. And, you know, I'm not saying that, I, that we should trash uh, vaccinating people because there's some serious argument that it could argue for on, on the other side of the coin as well. But what I am saying is that these things are very harmful. Uh, and they have been proven to be harmful. So we have to look at, at the delivery system. We have to look at how these things are delivered. We really have to look at the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices here in the United States, which determines when these children get their shots. And the only reason it was, by the way, Colleen Boyle of the CDC that determined in the Oversight Committee on Government Reform, the only reason the uh, Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices uh, recommends the, the schedule they do, recommended vaccine schedule they do, is to make sure all the parents bring in their kids for shots because sometimes they don't always come in for their shots, uh, Boyle says. So, you know, simply because they want to make sure these kids get the shots, then they give it to them anyway, and you're giving the same dosage uh, maybe to a, 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 a five-pound kid that, that weighs 12 pounds. 
And so there's something, it's not, it's, it shouldn't be a cookie cutter approach. And then some children simply should not get some of these vaccines. And some families should be allowed either a religious exemption or a philosophical exemption, yeah. which is done away with in some states. Yeah, because, and, because of the so-called herd immunity, right? I'm sorry, because of what? The so-called herd immunity, right? Oh, well, herd immunity, yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it. But, you know, it's getting, now we're getting into in, into violating our, our, I believe, I, I'd like to call them our civil rights, you know, yeah. the freedom of choice. What about the freedom of choice? Do we have freedom of choice? And, and so, actually, you know, in theory, if these vaccines worked, uh, the only one at risk would, would be the children that aren't vaccinated. But I'm going to I'm going to bring you to a, a New England Journal of Medicine study. In fact, uh, Wakefield in the United Kingdom was uh, crucified for what he suggested, and he never he never said let's not get vaccinated. Okay, he never was responsible for hurting a single child, uh, but he did threaten the the uh, the income of the uh, GlaxoSmithKline, and and uh, and that's really kind of what the target was put on his back about. But it, let's go back to what the uh, New England uh, Journal of Medicine uh, came up with the study in uh, 1988. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 2008. Uh, and they, they looked at the 2006 results. They had, I think, 6,584 cases of measles in the United States that year. Uh, and 12 years prior to that, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, 80, they had an 89% coverage of it. In, in other words, 90, 90% of the children were getting vaccinated. Yet in the high, most highly affected, affected states, there was an 80, 86% coverage rate. So some of these children that have measles are getting the measles, even with a vaccine. Mm. Uh, you, you know, and in some cases, some doctors and some scientists and researchers believe some of these vaccines cause the very diseases they're intended to prevent us from getting. I've heard the extreme part of the conspiracies about, you know, part stuff being hidden in these vaccines for control or whatever. I mean, is this just uh, is this just the vaccine companies, the big pharma, just basically capitalizing on an opportunity to make a ton of money? And is it is it sort of like a, a domino effect where the opportunities are there and now the ball's rolling and the you know the system becomes corrupt? Or do you think there's a darker intention behind it, some sort of control mechanism? Well, you know, some people would argue that, you know, uh, let's make the people sick. They're going to need more medicines, and we're going to, in turn, uh, you know, we're going to have to treat them with more medicines to make them better. Uh, and, you know, but what, we're, what we're really got to look at is, you know, who's, wh who's behind all this? Who, uh, who wants these? Uh, what's the motive of having everybody vaccinated? Is it to really, truly, hurt, you know, protect us, to keep us from harm? Has our government ever really looked out for our health and well-being and welfare? Uh, truly, truly, truly? Um, you know, are they really, really concerned about the health and welfare of my child? Or is there a large agenda at play here? And I believe there certainly is a plausible argument and a compelling argument to say that they're very well, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you what I think. I think there is a larger agenda at play here. And uh, as I said, it's it's getting everybody shots, whether they want them or not. Hmm. And, uh, and we're going to use this science, we're going to use what information we have based on what we've decided to look at to tell you that these things are fine and have nothing to worry about.
And, and is that is that a monetary monetary reason then for them? Well, what I'm, I'm going to say, it, it, everything goes back to dollars. Yeah, I think everything back to dollars, and I think it, you know it, it, it may not be anything more insidious or perfidious than somebody wanting to make a little bit more money. But you know what? That's 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 pretty callous, and 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 that doesn't that doesn't demonstrate or illustrate to me, uh, you know, looking out for somebody's health and welfare. In fact, why, you know, and, and again, why are these uh, vaccine manufacturers still using thimerosal and flu shots? You know, the uh, Modernization Act of 1997 came out because they had great pressure from the public. And by the way, the public still has uh, control over, over these electives. You know, we're their constituents. We have the ability to vote and say, we don't want this or you're going to lose your job. We have that power. Now, are we united? No, we're kind of divided at this point. So if we unite and, and we speak up, we actually have the ability, as we have in the past, to change some of these uh, recommendations and bills that are being passed and say, no, we're not going to do that. You know, we want something else that we can live with and agree and that won't hurt our children. So uh, I, I think, too, that, um, you know, I even forget what I'm saying sometimes. I get so excited. I really do. So I lost my train of thought there, but maybe you can pick me up on that one. Yeah, it just it it just the the problem I have with it is it just seems like in twenty years it's a lot of new things to suddenly introduce and somehow try and tell me or you know how it seems strange to me that the science is in. I mean, I know people who got laser eye surgery ten years ago and now they're having problems with it, and it just seems like it's just another step in the direction of being nonstop like. How many, you can't go to a single fucking medicine cabinet. Like, if you went to every medicine cabinet on the block, just imagine all the shit that's in every one of them, compared to, say, well, when I was growing up looking at my medicine, parents' medicine cabinet. Yeah. Well, let's look at, okay, step away from autism for a minute. Let's look at our medical, our whole medical system here. It's, it's based on prescription drugs. And the first thing, you know, I go to the doctor, the first thing he's ready to do is write a prescription. And that's our Western medicine thing. If we look at Eastern medicine philosophy, and that's been around for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years, and very successful in many cases. And, you know, and, and they look at uh, things that we wouldn't even consider or think that's quackery. Uh, yet doctors are responsible for killing, and there's one organization here that has done some studies over the last 20 years, and they lost their funding because they, they found out that doctors are responsible for killing over 400,000 people a year here in the United States. Uh, and that's... Uh, Sorry, they're, know, they're, they're what? they what? Can you repeat that? Doc doctors are responsible oh. for killing as many as 400,000 people in the United States every year. And, and, you know, we talk about prescription drugs being abused, and, and, you know, some people shouldn't be getting these cocktails, they're getting them, and they're getting them all willy-nilly from the doctors, and they're killing people. That's the number one cause of death in the United States is, is prescription drugs. So, yeah, and, and, and you dropped an F-bomb there. I like that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I wasn't going to go in that direction, but that's, that's, that's freaking great. I'm glad you did that. Uh, yeah, medicine cabinets have, have drugs in them, and, and they're, they're, I know some people that take, you know, 14 pills a day. Yeah, and they even have the little thing that has the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And here's your, here's your pill for 8 o'clock. Here's one for 12 o'clock. Here's one for 6 at night. And here's one for 8 at night before you go to bed. Now, I don't know what you, how do you function when you're doing all these drugs, you know? 
uh, I, I don't know. Hey, listen. Well, the other thing I is, like, to... I can't even remember the last time my doctor asked me, you know, what have you been eating or, you know, what have you been doing? You know, they don't, there's no, like, yeah, I don't know. Now have... it's, a, I don't know. It's like, I, I think there's probably good there. It seems hard to believe that there isn't any good in it. It just seems that when you let these kind these sorts of things be, be, um, privatized and profit to be made, I mean, it just kind of convolutes everything. And when you, things are introduced that quickly and it's, and the, the bit, the debate is that rampant and the response is to, you know, make it illegal. It just seems even more fucked up. And I just have trouble wrapping my head around the fact that it's okay. And we know that because we don't really seem to know anything down the road. And I, you know, if my wow. doctor knew more about my life and, what I was eating and what I was doing and was actually seemed to have more factors than, okay, just here's some pills. Like I go to the doctor, oh, my back hurts. Okay, well, here's some cyclobenzaprine and here's some whatever and there you go. And then you'll just be fucking numb and a vegetable on your couch instead of, you know, and like a doctor wouldn't even say you the chiropractor. The or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, then again, Let's look at history. Let's look at some facts. It was Dr. Gosar uh, in the Oversight Committee on Government Reform in 2012 that asked, poignantly, he asked uh, Goodmacher of the CDC, and he asked uh, Colleen Boyle, he says, are you guys looking at diet? Do you really? I mean, and there was a blank stare in this lady's face. <laughs> he says, oh, I have not heard anything about diet. What are you guys doing? And he says, you take any disorder, any disease, at the root, you'll find diet is the main issue, hmm. main problem. Well, yeah, and, and even fucking further to that, I would say sugar. Like, I would challenge a parent to take everything they give their kid in a day. You know, if you get them a big Slurpee or whatever, just, you know, read the ingredients. Okay, that's uh, 30 grams of sugar in it. And then, Add up the well, sugar. And then just put all that sugar in a cup all day and see where it's well, at at the end I, of the day. Because I just did mine for coffee, and it's disgusting. You put you, you added up all your sugar for the day? Just in coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I think, too, when you're developing as a, as a child, you really have to be careful with your diet. Uh, and in fact, autistic children, 70% uh, of them have uh, intestinal uh, bowel syndrome or, you know, disorders with their, with their, with their gut. And that, that exacerbates their autism. And, and many parents uh, have changed the, the child's diet. Um, there was one, Stan Kurtz. He's not a doctor, by the way. Uh, he's not a scientist or researcher, but he took concern. And, uh, you know, he said, well, they told him his son, first of all, would, would never be better for the rest of his life. He wouldn't be able to do many things. And, uh, and many parents uh, that have a vested interest uh, in their child's welfare don't take no for an answer. And they look for an answer. And they look at diet, as Stan Kurtz did, and his son, Ethan. And he changed his diet, and he removed a lot of the things that normal kids would eat. There was no dairy products. Uh, water was a primary source of fluids. Uh, nuts, beans, you know, uh, legumes, vegetables. And, uh, you know, he took some antibiotics uh, to correct it. And he worked on himself as a guinea pig before he tried this. Uh, on his own. My dad suffered from Crohn's disease and changed his uh, diet. And, uh, you know, and it cleared away his Crohn's disease. And I myself uh, adjusted my diet. Uh, and I will tell you, eating right uh, in, in where I live, I can't afford to eat the way I, I want to, so I eat what I can as much as I can. And I, my weight, I'll use myself, has gone down, uh, felt better. Uh, 
Uh, let's look at the Institute of Responsible Technology. Uh, Jeffrey Smith is one of the world's foremost known authorities on these genetically uh, engineered or modified organisms. And everybody should go to that website. Uh, it's invaluable. Oh, He's I'll, got I'll a, link a non- to oh, Hello? What's that? Sorry, I'll link to yeah. it in the show notes here. So, yeah, Institute of Responsible Technology. Yeah, Institute of Responsible Technology. And that's Jeffrey Smith's uh, website. And I would suggest anybody to go there, oh, and, and you'll get all your yeah. And you can also you can get a, a, a an app for your phone, the non GMO shopping guide dot oh, com. That's nice. And, to know. And, yeah, my God, because there's derivatives of these genetically. Uh, and by the way, we're talking primarily corn, soy. Uh, I think you've got corn and fucking everything. Though you got to watch that. Well, now wait a minute. You you can you can look. You can look. And you'll find things that you can eat for the most part. And some things that have a GMO item in it, maybe they're 10th on the list or 12th on the list. And that's not as bad as eating an air of corn, which is, which is a known uh, problem with the GMO. Uh, Isn't thing. wheat big, too? What? Isn't wheat up there, too? Like, didn't wheat used to be, like, who are we talking to where they were talking about when, you know, 50 years ago, wheat heard- used to be, like, 10 feet tall? Right, I heard some bad things about wheat uh, myself recently. Uh, and as far as you know, what I know, I'm going to stick to the GMO uh, products. You got pineapples from China, uh, yellow neck squash, and there's derivatives of all these things. You mentioned sugars, okay? We even got to be careful with that. But you know, if if you took the time to to look, and, and a lot of companies now have taken it upon themselves to label uh, GMA GMO free, certified GMO free products. This is another problem. These GMO products are banned in 64 countries around the world. Banned. And uh, they're not banned in the United States because there's not even a requirement that they're labeled GMO <laughs> products. Yeah. And, and you know what? There's been a big fight. Uh, and here's the thing. Whenever there's a, a, a vote, like Proposition 37 in California, or in Washington, by the way, recently, uh, there was it was a marginal, like, 51 to 49% victory for the people that don't want GMO labeling enforced. And the people in that state uh, came up with $550 effort. You know, collectively, they collected $550 to, to support these people that didn't want GMO labeling. And there was 20-some-odd million collected by the people that wanted labeling. Uh, but all of a sudden, they got millions of dollars from all these companies that like the Groceries Manufacturers Association, and, and from European countries uh, that support these labeling things, multinationalism, put millions and millions of dollars into a campaign to do a smear or to, uh, you know, attenuate, you know, the fact that these things are harmful and there's really more good than bad come out of them. And 90% of the people in the United States is estimated that want these things labeled. And eventually, it's, it's a tipping point. Vermont was the first state to enact uh, labeling laws in two, 2016, uh, and there's many states that are going through the same legislative uh, process, but Monsanto's has a lock on everything because, uh, because of the uh, uh, a rider that was added in the 11th hour uh, signed by President Obama here. Uh, you know, it, you, you can't, you have to do business with Monsanto's. You can't stop taking their seeds, or, you know. You, yeah, that's it's, fucked it's up. It's protect- Monsanto. And so unless you get... I have, I have adjoining states or so many thousands of people to support your uh, your effort. And so it's an uphill battle. Um, I believe, and so do the manufacturers, uh, groceries manufacturers association. 
that if these things were labeled, then people, if they had a choice between buying these things and didn't, then they might not. It would affect maybe 1% or 2% of the sales of these GMO products. And, you know, everybody would be scrambling to come up with GMO products, or GMO-free products, rather. Yeah. Uh, and they would, lose, they would lose billions of dollars. That's so we're, and, and here's what, let's go back to money. So, so the diet, yeah, diet. In fact, my son, okay, my son John, uh, 28 years old, his uh, homeopathic uh, neurologist said, you know what you got to do, John? I want a sample of everything from every meal you've eaten for the last 30 days. Now, here's a, here's a doctor, a woman uh, doctor, whatever, that, that is really looking at this and, and going back to his history. Like you said, you get 15 minutes in a doctor's office here, and that's it. You know, they're not going to ask about your history. They're going to look at your chart, what medicines you take, what medicines might be good for this. Uh, and they're going to write a prescription. And, you know, if you, as long as you're not bleeding or have a broken arm or anything like that, you, know, you pretty much are sent on your way. And, uh, you know, and they don't even want to bring up an argument with me. You know, we talk about, and here's one I get. Have you gotten the flu shot? Have you got, I got a sign over my head here, uh, Graham and Darren, that says, uh, no flu shots today. <laughs> yeah, and everybody that comes in my apartment, that's the first thing they notice. And you say, and they say, like you said, I never get sick. I, you know, everyone comes in here and they look at that and they go, oh, that's cool. You got a sign up there. I say, yes, you know, I got a sign up there because, you know, and, and people see it and it's, it, you know, and, you know, and, and oh, in in that campaign that I told you about by Eileen Deniman and the Vaccine Liberation Army is the, the, the greatest lie ever told that vaccines are safe and effective. And she's doing a mass campaign, you know, to, to point out these things are bad. And she's of the mindset that, no vaccines are good. You know, yeah. I don't buy into that. I, I mean, I don't. Maybe that's I should. That's a bit extreme. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, well, that's exactly I, it. But it gets so convoluted. Buy. You don't know. You yeah. don't know what to do. And it's the same thing with GMOs. I mean, modifying food has been working out for us for a while. Like, pick selective gene picking and all that. Like, that could probably be perfected. But then you start splicing it with fucking insecticides built into it, so it kills bugs. And we're, that's, you know, and then all of a sudden, that's all over the place. And now it's well, all weird again. So yeah. you can't well, trust any of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was a Canadian study done in 2010, by the way, up in your neck of the woods there. And uh, Monsanto said that, uh, oh, oh, you have the most insidious form, where you're actually uh, you know, putting stuff into the genes of these plants. Uh, and it's BT toxin, not just around the herbicide that they spray. That's, by the way, glyphosate. It, it, it's in, it goes into the genes, okay? And these things are... Uh, uh, resistant to things, whatever. And, and uh, Monsanto said, well, this toxic can never either cross a blood-brain barrier or end up in the bloodstream of a pregnant woman. And they did uh, in, I, I'm not sure where in Canada in 2010. I write about that in the book, by the way. Uh, and they found 93% of the women in this Canadian hospital that were pregnant had this BT toxin in their bloodstream. Wow. And this is something Monsanto said could never happen. So, and, and by the way, with the, with the GMOs introduction, they were generally recognized as safe. You know, this is going back to the 50s, so there's really never any testing done on these things. And it was Clinton, uh, President Bill Clinton that signed into law these use of these items, and they, they never received any safety testing. It was uh, Michael Taylor, uh, who was bounced back from Monsanto's to a governmental position, to Monsanto's to now he's the uh, food czar. He's in charge of, of this whole thing. And they pretty much got it locked up. And so here, here we go. Here's the government not, not looking out for our welfare. 
uh, supported by multinationals, and there's conflicts of interests. And it goes the same with the vaccine. You know, uh, Gerberding, the former uh, director of, of the, uh, the CDC, now went to uh, either GlaxoSmithKline, she, you know, vice president of GlaxoSmithKline. And, and so, you know, and there's a revolving door. And I don't buy the fact that there's no, uh, you know, that conflict of interest doesn't arise or, you know, favoritism isn't an issue. Because uh, it, it surely is. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. So that that's what bugs me about it, is it's not even a fair playing field. Like, tell us what's in our food and give us the choice, right? Or or tell us, really be more upfront about what's in the vaccine and give us the choice. That's the problem is it just becomes such a mishmash of stuff. You don't know what to believe anymore and, and you just want to resist the whole thing. I did want to ask well, you though. I, I want to ask you before I forget about this homeopathic neurologist. Is that? Did you say that's who your son is seeing? That's fascinating to me. <clears throat> and I wonder if they'll, if you know of anybody. I've never heard of a, a homeopathic uh, neurologist before. So I'd like you to send me a link or something well, like that. If we look at homeopathic medicine. Period. I mean, that might be. I have a, an associate who is studying to be a chiropractor, and she's also getting into you know, uh, remedies that do not require uh, Western medicine, uh, things that would be considered quackery. In fact, most uh, chiropractors are considered quacks. Yeah. Yet they go more medical training than some of these medical doctors. Yeah. <laughs> and they have, you know, and, and you know, it's really amazing, um, you know, it, their whole uh, branch of medicine is, I have gone to a chiropractor, and as far as I know, it worked. You know, and it did work for me, and it does for many people. Uh, but they aren't considered doctors by the doctors, and, and I don't think that's fair. Uh, but when we talk about homeopathic things, it's, you know, natural things. That's even that make worse, though. Them. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, well, you know, homeopathic, a neurologist is, you know, somebody who deals with, you know, our, our neurological system. Uh, autism is a, a neurological disorder, and there are many neurological disorders. Uh, and, you know, they are treatable uh, with homeopathic remedies that have been proven to work. And they're discredited by a Western uh, medical uh, system that endorses prescription medicines over any type of uh, any type of uh, intercession medically. And so you won't even hear about this mentioned um, homeopathic uh, remedies or approaches unless you seek out these people. And you said, you know, we're, we're left guessing or wondering, and most of us don't care. And that's really, it's apathy. Uh, and unless you have a child that's affected or a family member that's directly affected, most people really, you know, say, well, it's, it's too bad, it's a shame. And, you know, or they'll throw money into a cause. Uh, and I'll use uh, Autism Speaks. Now, I mention Autism Speaks, but I don't list them as one of the organizations that uh, advocate for autism or help autistic families out of the 18 listed in my book because they have never done one thing for one single autistic child to be beneficial. Hmm. And they're the largest own organization here in the United States. Uh, they Who's collect funding million. them? What's that? Who's funding them? Well, they're self-funded. <laughs> they got their start. Bob Wright, by the way, uh, started this organization, and he was like uh, worked for General Electric and NBC Studios. He he was a big big wig, and uh, he got his money from the guy that owned Lowe's. He got a twenty-five million dollar contribution. They fund their own stuff, uh, and they get millions of dollars in contributions and. You know, looking at their tax records, and I think it was 2012 or whatever, or 10, you know, 95% of the money they got that they collected 
uh, and they get, they get funding for the government for these studies that they do and to help assisted you know families and uh, with, that have autistic children and, and services you know ninety five percent of the money didn't go to these families it went to other things only five percent of all the monies they collected went to actually help these families with autism and autistic children so uh, and you have board members there that make well in excess of you know up to four hundred thousand dollars a year last time I checked. They don't have a single member on their board that suffers from uh, As what well, well, was Asperger's or any type of uh, autism spectrum disorder. Uh, and talking to some of the people in these organizations, I, as I approached them and called many of these people in these organizations, they said, well, if you, if you list my organization in your book to help people, then you can't list Autism Speaks. Or if you do list Autism Speaks, take my name out of your book. And so, and I've, I've had, I'm not going to go on record as saying anything other than what I've stated. And this information comes to me from what I've seen or found, and I, that's not published in my book because I'm not I'm not going to go in that direction, and I just don't endorse them. But what they do is they come up with some figures and facts that are accurate. Uh, they they bring attention to the situation, which is good, and um, you know, and, and it's even uh, Bob Wright's uh, daughter, Katie, um, who's who believes her son is in fact uh, the. the victim of a vaccine injury that resulted in his autism. And uh, in, in during the, the hearing that I listened to in 2012, he went on record as saying, even my daughter Katie believes that my son's injuries were a result of a, a vaccine injury. But he never stated he did. In fact, Autism Speaks went on record saying recently that uh, after 20 years of studies, there is, there is absolutely no proof that these vaccinations uh, have anything to do with autism or neurological disorders. So you're talking about an organization that is basically uh, a mouthpiece for the Centers for Disease Control. And, and this, this influences millions of people who feel this is a really good organization. One lady I talked to in Rochester, New York, uh, was donating a ton of money to this organization. She says, John, you know, I heard you talk the other day, and she says, I had no idea. She says, I want five of your books and send them to me right now. So, you know, there's, this is going on all over. And... Um, and yeah, and when we talk about some of these organizations, Every Child by Two is another one. I'm going to blow them up too because this is an organization that is nothing but members of the CDC and uh, you know people that stand behind these pharmaceutical companies and this mass-produced, mass-herd immunity uh, front. And it was uh, President Carter's wife, Rosalind, and uh, Senator Bumper's wife. Uh, so it's a Car Carter, uh, Carter uh, Bumper's foundation started this organization. And they're the ones that started the mandatory vaccinations in a couple of schools and now resulted in mandatory vaccinations for children throughout the entire United States. So we have them to thank for that. And so, um, you know, if we look at the entirety of it all, it, it, it can be overwhelming. And we can see, well, well, there's definitely a problem. And it seems like it's an uphill struggle. I talked to John Gilmore of the Autism Action Network in New York. He's a tireless advocate, and he brings, uh, you know, to light these bills, uh, petitions that you can sign, and uh, I've signed many. Um, and, you know, I, I go out and I talk to people, and I write this book, and I do speeches to anybody that will listen. And, you know, if I have a book signing, you know, people have questions. And they read the book, and they say, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, and that's the thing. that When I was doing research for the book, uh, uh, Graham and uh, Darren, I, I didn't know a lot of the things I knew in this book, and uh, and it's like it's my God, you know. This some of this stuff 
really should be told because it, it's it's public information, but it's not really it's being given discredit. It's not giving credit where credit's due. I mean, you know, you've got people like the former uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, Kathleen Sebelius, who lost her job. We have a conflict of interest there, too. And uh, she went on record as stating in 2012 that we are not going to give any credence or credibility to these foundations that say that the vaccinations are doing harm of any kind because it's been scientifically proven that vaccines are safe and effective. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but they are not safe and they are not effective. And you want to go about prescription medicine? Well, that's a whole other ball of wax. It's analogous to what we're talking here. Yeah, totally. So, show me a study. That's fine. But let's look at the history of the drugs and the vaccines and how they're protected. And let's look at all the anecdotal cases. And let's look at the people who are in jail right now, the fathers who are in jail right now, because their son died because they got a baby well uh, visit, either a polio shot and a recommended vaccination schedule, and they were blamed with the child's death. There yeah. are people in prison right now because their son died, and they were, the kids were, you know, Child Protective Services came in, wow. and they were invested, and they're in prison. There was one case of a gentleman, whose name escapes me, um, who was in prison, and he had a doctor that supported his position, and within six years he was released. Uh, he was completely vindicated. His uh, sentence was, you know, uh, abolished. Uh, he was absolved. And, uh, and, you know, and this is the hell that we have to go through when we are harmed by a vaccination that's supposed to help us. And I believe, I believe that, you know, the medical community believes as a whole that these things do good because that's what they're indoctrinated to believe. And, mm-hmm. and so, so and, and where do we point the finger? And again, I'll go right back to it. It doesn't matter who we point the finger at. My son's going to be, uh, you know, having this problem uh, that he's dealing with quite well. And by the way, my son's extremely intelligent. Now, he can't do some of the things many children can do. But but he's happy. That's the main thing. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he talks to his dad and he loves his dad and I love my son. And that's what keeps us together. And I will, regardless of any, you know, and, and there are some groups that, you know, just want to point the finger and like, uh, you guys suck, you know, you guys are bad, you hurt my son. Yeah, but you still got your son, okay? Well, what about, now what do we do? Where do we go from here? You know, what treatment can we give our, give our child? And I look at that in, in, in the book. I look at that in the book. And, and so... Um, how has this book no, and all, all the research changed your, your path, the path that you're on? I'm sorry, what's that? How is your book and, and all this research, like, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you didn't realize all this was happening until starting to write the book. So how has that changed yeah. the path you're on right now? Like, what, what's, your, what's your future look like now? Okay. Okay, well, right now, my goal is to distribute as many of these books as I can. And I will mention that Trying to Answer, because this is the publishing company that picked this up. And, uh, and you can go to Trying Day. You can also go to me, and I'm going to tell people how they can go to me. Yeah. And I've been, I'm going to say, if you simply, if you have an email, all right, you can, you can email me, and you can even do a PayPal. I don't know, you guys have PayPal up there in Canada? You bet, yeah. All right, well, so... You, if you go to like, uh, if you want to contact me, you can even get a self, you know, a self personally autographed, dedicated book to whoever you want. Many people have liked it to do that, 
And uh, you simply go to, the author's name is John DeMarco. You simply go to John, J-O-N, dot E, as in Edward, dot Micah, M-I-C-A, at I, as in Indian, S as in Sam, P as in Peter, dot com. That's John, dot E, dot Micah, at ISP, dot com. That's also, you can order the book through PayPal in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and that will be shipped to you. Uh, you don't got to worry about the cost factor on that. Um, or you can correspond with me email, and I can send you other links and other studies that I have. So my my what is this has done for me? First of all, it changed my life when I started doing more research. And I originally started this, never wanted to write a book on autism. I was only helping my dad write a book, and I knew my son had Asperger's, and I hadn't even talked to him for four years prior to publishing this book because he refused to write me back. He he didn't like to write. He was a, he he thought his cursive writing writing was horrid. And the last letter I got from him. Um, he said, I can't write you my, 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 you know, I can't write you for a long time. And that came as, I just didn't understand it, you know? Hmm. Uh, and, and so my editor said, so how's your son doing now? And, uh, it's like, well, I don't know. He won't respond to me. And so I sent him one final letter. I said, I'll try it. And then I put my Facebook thing on there. Uh, and he responded to me. He sent me a, a friend's request. I accepted and that's another thing I mentioned that in the book. This is how we got reunited through writing this book. Once I reunited with him, I don't know, I think we told each other we loved each other a hundred times. So my mission now is to, you know, support my son, uh, give him all the support and love he needs, and, you know, develop my relationship with my son and encourage other people to do the same thing. Uh, and, and, you know, to and, and God has blessed me with the ability to get on these shows. And just, you know, and if one or two people are listening, I know there's more, but if, if even 1% of the audience listens and says, I, maybe I'll get the book and read it, and as a result thereof, they maybe take a little more time or decide to be actively involved and do something to attenuate their own child's circumstances, or at least be aware of it, because some, some doctors are, the parents are better doctors than the doctors, because they spend more time than 15 minutes with their children, and they should recognize uh, what that standard is as far as how is that is defined. And if they suspect that their child is injured by a vaccine, they should know what what vaccines are covered, what the compensatable t- table of injuries are, and how to go about supporting this in a case. And if you want to pursue it for seven years, which will take you about seven years on average, uh, maybe you can get relief through the, the care and expense of your child. It's not about getting rich. It's about supporting your, your child and giving the best possible care. So there's a lot of things that domino off this and how my life has changed because for two years I did nothing but read, research, study, book after book after book, and I listened to both sides of the argument, mm-hmm. and I came to one conclusion, that there's something that needs to be told, and everybody that reads this book will say two things. I didn't know that, and that, you know, it's like, this is something that I'm glad you brought to my attention. Thank you for doing that. And I have people that send me emails from the country, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for, for being who you are and, and taking this upon yourself because there are so many people that are attacked that do this. And like I said, one person I know gets death threats because she's so outspoken. I won't mention her name for that very reason because she's been so outspoken about, you know, uh, going against this whole mass immunity, which she lost her sister to uh, uh, immunity thing. And in fact, it was the, the same uh, senator, as I mentioned, Easter, that, that uh, uh, Pan in, in California introduced and recently passed a bill to, you know, 
that kids can't get exemptions from vaccinations that his uh, his former seven year volunteer uh, you know came down with a with a Dean Bar syndrome as a result of a DCAP vaccine. And so where is where is this taking me now? Well, I don't really know where it's going to end up, but I do know that this whole book in my belief system tells me that that this has been divine intervention all along the way. It's it put me in people and places and times and things I hear on the radio and things I read that really strike a chord with me and, 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 and bring it to light. So, and, and also in, in the simply writing of this, this book, The Autistic Holocaust by Trang Day, and contacting who I did and hearing them on the radio, who I did. You know, like I mentioned to you, I got a huge syndicated radio show I'll be doing, and that's, I just can't even believe I'm doing that. And so everything's happened so quickly. And, and where has my life changed and what's it going on? Well, that's to advocate for what I believe in and what I know to be true based on fact and, and, and argument that is supported by fact in my book. And also, you know, to encourage you know, people who are having children or getting vaccinated or I'd simply encourage people to look at their diet. One autistic child is 14 years old with a, a family. Uh, and, um, you know, his father has a hard time changing his diet because yeah. you have no idea what he gets. Because if you're, if you're 14 or you're 15 and you weigh 200 pounds, you don't want to do something and you, and you have a hissy fit and you want to break somebody's finger or mess up them because you won't give them their, their fruit loops, well, you got a problem on your hands. Yeah, And I this knew. is why... We, yeah. I, I knew and, an and autistic, so, autistic guy that was living on grilled cheese sandwiches, basically. Yeah. yeah. And, and, they, and, and, and this is really... It's making their situation worse. And, and, and it's like a withdrawal for a heroin addict. You know, it's like... And it's that bad because a lot of autistic children get in the same routine and they get in the same pattern and, and, and they, you know, they, they can't focus. And, the, the, you know, it's that stare they have in their eyes and, and, and they're everywhere. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting with my best, my friend down the street and I'm, uh, and I'm sitting with her and, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm promoting this walk for autism. And that's another thing. I'm doing aggressive walks for autism, bringing people to walk for autism, meeting more and more autistic children. And, you know, it's working closely with uh, the, the foundation here locally, the, you know, E. John Gavras Foundation, and, and uh, that's just the local foundation. And by the way, it amazes me at how many foundations there are, you know, within the state. I mentioned 18 national. There's got to be hundreds just within the state, and there's 50 states. And these organizations get more and more autistic children, mm. and children with no development. So this is kind of like a quest for me, and I don't know where it's going to stop around. Are you going but to any I'll events you, coming up? Well, I don't have anything uh, planned definitely right now. And I will tell you, I suffer from a disorder myself. I suffer from a severe bipolar disorder. And I didn't know, and, and that prevents me from doing a lot of things. I work to overcome that, um, you know, and, and nobody really can understand it listening to me now. They sound like I'm fine, you know, and kind of in a manic mood right now. But uh, <laughs> some people die from it. Disorder. And I'm not kidding you. People die from this shit. How did, how did you? Yeah. How did you come to realize you had that? I mean, from what I've heard, it's pretty hard for people to accept uh, something like that. Well, I mean, we look at mental illness. You know, it's like I didn't want to accept the fact that I had a mental illness, and I was diagnosed with a bipolar disorder, a severe case of bipolar disorder, um, and, and back in 1997, uh, and and that. I didn't really give it any respect, and most 
and, and the best I can tell you is that, um, you know, I, I educated myself. And again, here we are. I learned, this is how what I did on this thing. I didn't listen to what the radio told me. I educated myself. I, I actually turned my TV off for two years. Call me an extremist. But that's what I did. And I couldn't listen to television. I had to listen to things that made sense. I had to read. And God knows I hate to read. I'll be the first one to tell you. It, reading sucks to me. I'd rather watch TV. And, and you know, But now I read a lot. And I've read so many books in the last five years. It's like, this is how you get more intelligent. This is how you carry on a conversation. This is how you know what you're talking about. By reading things that are factual. And so, and it's difficult for me to do that. You know, I because of where I'm at. You know, I just, sometimes that's the way it is. But when I found out that I had this disorder, then I I was given medicine, like I mentioned, you know. And right. I, I find that that mitigates what I have to a degree, but I still suffer with certain things. I yeah. still have, I go Now, when I wrote this book, I didn't know, had no idea, that the fact that I'm bipolar may very well make put me at a greater risk of having a child that's autistic. Wow. I did I did not know that. That hit me like a ton of bricks when I read that. Yeah. You know, and, and many people don't know that. If you're schizophrenic, you have the same likelihood chance. Uh, uh, you know, but and, and, and again, going back to how it is for me now, um, it, it's, it's going forward. I really don't know where this is going from here, but I'm going to keep beating the drum. And, and like what Congressman Burton said, uh, in, in the hearing, he said, I want everybody that listens to this hearing to get in all this information and disseminate all this information to everybody you know, because people really want to know. And when it gets down to it, people really do want to know, especially if they're affected. And all the people in these organizations I list, they have children that are autistic and some severely autistic. And they've been tirelessly working. They don't get paid, many of these organizations. They work jobs, but they do what they do on the side. You know, and, and they they advocate and, and reach out to children and, and they help children. And they give them recommendations as where they can go and go and how you know forms they can you know, go with and and they talk to you. You know, I call these organizations and they talk to me. I get to talk to the executive directors when I call these organizations and they send me where I need to go. So, you know, it's a network, developing a network. The one lady in Rochester wants to start a, a group there. Because, you know, she says, now I'll never give money to Autism Speaks again. She yeah. says, where can I go? I just somewhere that I recommend is a local place, Mary, Mary, Mary Cariola in Rochester. I said, there's where you should invest your money. There, you want to make a donation, give it to them. They're right in your community. They help people out. You know, they don't give their money out to genetic uh, witch hunt research, yeah. <laughs> which is a way. Yeah. So where's the, so uh, maybe, where's the science at for... I'm sorry, what's that? Where's the, do you know where it's at for bipolar causes or, you know, where the research is at with that? If I, uh, all right, now I'm, I'm, you said something about bipolar and research for bipolar. What, what, I, I missed the question or I didn't quite understand it. Do you know where, are you up to, are you current with what um, might be the cause of bipolar or where that stems from? Ah, well, uh, based on what I read and what I know, um, you know, I, I know a lot about the bipolar disorder, and, and, and again, it, it's partially uh, environmental, it's partially uh, genetic, and partially biological. And I don't think scientists can say, we know exactly what causes bipolar. Uh, but, you know, these, 
as Dr. Deitch will attest to and, and has written in some of her papers, there's an association with what's going into some of these vaccines and schizophrenia and bipolar and neurological disorders such as autism. Uh, so it makes me wonder, am I the victim of a vaccine injury? I don't know. But guess what? There's, I can't do anything about it but deal with it now. And that's the same with my son. He knows his limitations. He deals within uh, whatever he does. Uh, and he works, you know, fine within that. He knows his limitations, but he also doesn't know, he also knows that that, uh, that disorder does not define his character. And that's one thing that helped me uh, as people with the disabilities, uh, most of them understand is is that their disability does not define who they are as a person. It's simply something they got to deal with if they had diabetes or, you know, cancer or anything like that, you know. I know a lot of people, you know, with mental disorders and disabilities, and uh, a lot of them deal with what they deal with differently than you normal. Is there such a thing as normal or with people that don't have a mental disorder? <laughs> uh, and there's stigmas. There's stigmas, you know, associated with mental illnesses, you know. And I hear the word crazy, crazy people, nutchase, you know. These are labels that, and, and it's the same with autistic children. You know, you hear victims. No child that's got autism likes to think he's a victim. Who wants to be considered a vaccine injury victim? No, no child, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's just that that is something that resulted in you having a situation that you have to deal with. Hmm. Mercury point is, is go back to the 19th century. It was well known. And when they first came out with the definition of autism, as Tanner discovered and wrote a paper about it, he uh, observed many of the children. Uh, he looked at 11 cases of something he'd never encountered before. And many of the parents were working with uh, noxious uh, mercury, mercury fumes, and they were exposed to it. And their children, you know, and were exposed to this. Uh, so in and then the you're, day, you're eating it in your fish, too, nowadays, right? Like they say you're... Oh, yeah, whatever seafood you eat is right. containing a certain amount. So I'm curious as to what, well, what's the autism rates in, in countries that are eating uh, fish as their primary protein? Like Japan. Yeah. Oh, and again, I mean, let's just look at tuna fish. Uh, I read something on the EPA recently. You know, you're supposed to have six ounces a week or, or three ounces a week of albacore, I guess, was worse than the other tuna fish. Um, yeah, I lived in a, one of the most... I lived in the... Uh, what is it, Onondaga County, whatever, uh, Onondaga County had the most polluted lake in the United States was uh, Onondaga Lake. And the, the mercury content of the lake was very high. Uh, you could not fish in that lake for, for years. And I, I don't see how they can say now that the fish are okay, you know, it's okay to eat the fish, but I wouldn't eat anything out of that lake. And, uh, and again, in other countries, uh, you have issues with, with diet, and I don't know if it's in swordfish or any other kind of fish mainly, uh, and I could have spent another four years looking at diets in different countries and observing all these other rates. And I know in the United Kingdom there was a correlation that uh, Dicer drew between the uh, the aborted fetal cell lines and the vaccinations that were introduced in the uh, uh, birth year change points. Uh, so now I have familiar, familiarity to a degree. Uh, you know, and I can tell you in certain countries. Um, and again, I think it goes back to the vaccination schedule. Uh, as being the most suspect uh, environmental uh, agent 
contributory to neurological disorders such as autism because ours is, is the highest in the world. Uh, India has a similar one. I do know that. Other countries simply don't, and they have lower rates of autism. And, and is that because they get fewer shots? I think there's a, a, a logical argument you can draw from that, uh, but we don't really look at a lot of things in that regard. We don't really you know, take the environmental factor uh, seriously, or at least the powers that can don't, don't want to look at that, because that, that could be an issue and could, could, could raise an accountability issue. Yeah, I agree. And regardless of whether or not vaccines are to blame, I mean, it's evident that obviously we're not doing something right. Like, I mean, sure, some diseases are going down, but you've got the some big ones like autism. And I mean, cancer is a huge one that's on, been on a steady rise. And it's like, um, obviously, we're doing something fucking wrong. And it's almost like as a society, we've just accepted it. It's like, okay, well... You know, 20 to 25% of you fuckers are going to die from cancer and just, you know, that's okay. Just just deal with it. And now, you know, it's going to get to the point where it's okay. 25% of your kids are going to be born with autism and, you know, it's just, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And it almost seems like we're just going to be okay with that. Like, Yeah, that's called indifference. I was actually going to call the book Autistic Indifference to start with uh, because there is an indifference. Uh, you know, and it's based on the government and pharmaceutical companies. But you know, let's look at autism spectrum disorder or disorder. The prevalence is greater than, than all three childhood developmental disorders combined. You had childhood cancer, juvenile diabetes, and, and pediatric AIDS. And most of the money goes to, you know, pediatric AIDS and juvenile diabetes as far as what they spend on these things. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's laughable as far as the money that goes in, into uh, looking at uh, uh, autism spectrum disorders and the prevalence and what environmental causes and factors that. But I think you're right. I think you make a very good point. Um, you know, it, it's okay. This is the way it is. Um, and again, I'm going to say, you know, if you're not personally affected, maybe it's not such a bad thing. But when it hits home, you know, when all of a sudden you've got to deal with this on a daily basis and it, it, it's, it's, it's spiritually, emotionally, and financially and physically draining, uh, you know, you wonder. And, and it's like you think, well, is there something I could have done? You know, maybe if I knew this, maybe if maybe if I did this, maybe if I paid better attention, maybe if I knew what the signs were for, for this. And so we can look at cancer and everything, but I focus on autism. Yeah, that's that's really by far and away the biggest problem. Uh, and it's, it's completely, in the last 20 years, gotten worse. But, okay, now you want to talk about cancer and breast cancers and a lot of other things. Well, again, since the introductions of these uh, GMO products uh, in, in the 90s, Everything's gone way skyrocketing. Hmm. Uh, so is there a correlation? Mm, boy, I don't know. Is there any proof scientifically that these things harm people? Well, of course there's not because they haven't done any studies of that nature, but they have done tons of animal studies. And, uh, you know, and, and pigs get sick when they're fed this stuff uh, through their, their grain. And then when the farmers take them off this, they get better. You know, animals die when they're on it, and then when they're off it, they get better. Uh, you know, there's there's countless, countless examples I can give you how these things are bad for animals. And would that stand to reason bad for humor? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, but we haven't really studied that. I looked at that from a scientific standpoint uh, with any degree of... Um, or for even, a, not even for one generation, like... Well, you can. Well, okay, like, let's look at drugs, okay? 
you know, they do, a, what, a six-week study, and if, if the drug is fine for six weeks, you know, it's fine. But we don't do long-term stuff. There was one long-term study for 12 years done with rats uh, where the GMOs were actually, you know, uh, increasing mortality rate uh, dramatically, dramatically of these, uh, you know, that they would get the amount of that, that a GMO uh, would get. Uh, uh, the study was done in such a way, uh, I don't even list that study in my book, uh, but that's one of the studies I didn't list that supported the argument that, uh, that I agree with, that these things are bad. And, and then Jeffrey Smith made a point. He's, he had a doctor that he was talking with, and um, he asked her, he says, uh, so have you noticed a change with the GMO change? Because she regimented a change in her, her patients uh, to get off of a GMO uh, genetically engineered diet. Um, and, uh, and she said, all my patients got better as a result of changing their diet. And Jeffrey had asked her, well, how many patients do you have? She said, well, 5,000. So... <laughs> And and I don't yeah. think people realize I don't think people realize how big OG. pharma well not only about the diets but about the studies right everybody just listens to the mainstream media and they want to label you an anti-vaxer or some other you know climate denier or something without realizing how much I think corruption there is at the level of the studies and the what the FDA or not the FDA the like big pharma and Monsanto and the the control they have over yeah, what like gets reported in, and what gets studied. The food industry and the pharmaceutical industry are probably two of the most fucked up, and the oil industry is not far behind. Maybe it's probably well, up there. They're all just, it's a big Well, that's mess. the problem, is they all own the media. They're all, it's like fucking six big corporations at the end anyways. I mean, that's really why it's, it's Hale Apple. The tech companies will save the world. You know, I, I, if I didn't know any better, I swear you read my book. <laughs> It's on the table right here. That's exactly what I talk about in the book. It sounds like you just read my book or something like that. <laughs> well, to, to be honest with you, we browse through it. I can't tell you I read it from cover to cover. It may get read, but we, we don't have that much time here. That's okay. I haven't read it myself. I have everything memorized in it, but I haven't actually read the book myself. <laughs> but I hear it's pretty good. Yeah. No, it looks great. So, Darren, do you have any other questions before we start wrapping her up? No, I wouldn't mind uh, if we could just crack down the numbers of, you know, how long is it, how far or how many generations, I guess, are we away from? Like, what's the scale look like? Where were we 100 years ago to 50 years ago to 25 years ago to today? For what, autism rates? Yeah. One more time right, before well, we end. You brought that up. And, and, and here's really what we're looking at. I mean, if you go to... Uh, the 70s, uh, you might be taking one of every 10,000 children were autistic. And wow. exponentially. Holy shit, right? See, yeah. that's yeah. fucked. One out of every 10,000, maybe four out of every 10,000 uh, were known to be autistic. Uh, and, and then, you know, you're, you're looking about a 17% exponential increase each and every year after thereafter. So uh, right now, uh, oh, well, just go, just go back to the 2000. I think it was one in 250. Uh, 2004, one in 50. Uh, you know, you go back to 2012, one in 88. Now it's one in 68, and you know, in Utah it's one in 26. New Jersey, one in 26. And where this is going to continue to get higher. It, it, the rate's going to get higher. 
the next time they and they do their their statistics every four years. The CDC does. So the number you got one in one in six days was a four year old number. So two years from now you're going to get another uh, prevalence rate, and it's going to be lower than it's going to be higher, I should say, than one in one in sixty eight. I'm not going to call a number. I don't know, but it's going to it's going to be maybe one in fifty, maybe one in forty two, maybe one in thirty nine, maybe one. In, it's going to be worse. And there, it will not change. It will not change until something is done and, and there's intercession uh, between the government and between the pharmaceutical industry and between the CDC. You know, there has to be regulation. There has to be accountability. And we have to start looking at what we really need to look at, and that's mainly environmental factors, and identify which of those environmental factors are, are causal. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it went from almost nothing to virtually... Uh, you know, uh, epidemic and pandemic. Yeah, that's like point oh 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 one percent to like one to two percent. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of decimal jumps. Yeah, in only a few decades. Yeah, so that's, in that's, one generation. Yeah. Well, two. You could probably say yeah. two generations. Really. No way. Seventies till now. Is that two? Yeah, probably. Not, not, like not in North America. Right? Generations more than that. And we have. Kids. Well, so we can't call it, a generation's not the the age of. A generation is probably, I think, twenty years or something is more like a generation. Well, I'm saying, yeah. Well, no, I, yeah, I guess no. It's two generations, I guess, because you're going from the time, say, my parents were born, no, generation and a half. Yeah, we'll call it a generation, Jenny and a half. Yeah, and then again, in 1980, it wasn't even rec until 1980, it wasn't even recognized uh, as something on the uh, autism spectrum uh, disorder. Uh, it wasn't even medically a definition. Because there was, was no so, need for it. It was so rare. No, it was so rare it wasn't even defined as, as an issue. So, so kind of like depression nine, never used to be a thing, right? You never used to have millions of people need pills just to get out of bed. There are some old school people that will tell you, well, no, bipolar is not a disability. No, these people should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. And we go back. 20 years, and it was manic depressive. It wasn't even bipolar. And there's all kinds of disorders popping up now. And are we just coming up with names for them? Or maybe are we really getting categorizing? Worse. Yeah, it's, are things getting worse? You know, are things really getting worse? And I believe they are. Look at ADHD. Look at, you know, look at look at our children. Look at, look at what our children, drugs our children are taking for disorders they never had. Uh, and what, where is that coming from? Well, I think look at diet, and I think look at environmental causes. And the most plausible ones are what we put in our children's bloodstream on a daily basis. And, and uh, uh, 49, 49 vaccines before they reach school age, That's... 69 before they... And then I, I'm curious to what, like, the Ritalin or, you know, whatever today's Ritalin is. And then it's like, oh, well, he doesn't sit still in school, so we got to get him on these drugs so he pays attention. It's like, well, maybe he's not supposed to sit so Maybe he's going to be something else besides sitting in a cubicle. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Well, you know... Yeah, that's that's a whole, and again, that's a whole other issue. We're talking about prescription drugs issued to children, and there are some doctors that refuse to do that, which I applaud them. You know, we need to look at other things. But and when you're when you're that young, I think you, there's other issues at play there that really should be addressed. And I don't know. I think it's just, and again, it's another answer to you know issuing a prescription or. A, you know, just giving a vaccination where we really ought to take a close look at it. Is this doing more harm than good? Yeah. Are we creating vegetables? Are we creating children that can't learn? They will never learn, have disabilities for the rest of their lives? 
it looks like it looks like we're headed in that direction. Yeah, definitely. Or even super bugs and shit like that, right? Like it seems like you're almost playing with evolution to some extent. We're not we're not well we're not evolving with the planet anymore, you know what I mean? Well, okay, I mean antibiotics are responsible for superbugs and, and you know, they they came out of hospitals with, you know, penicillin, you know, and, and there's all kinds of derivatives of that. They get MRSA, you know, and and that's a there's something that kills over nineteen thousand people a year. And and this is a very serious thing. So I don't get into that in the book, you know. There's a lot of things I could have I could have got into. I just did some of the main things, you know, and and so you know it's like okay I don't know don't believe the Bible but you know Jesus didn't tell us everything he just told us what we needed to go somewhere you know he told us how to do it and that's what I kind of do in the book I tell us what what we need to know and, and how to get there and what might help. Right on. So, well, John, we're going to link to the book and and uh, and your email. And all that stuff, and oh, yeah. trying day, and trying day in in the uh, in the show notes, and uh, yeah, yeah. I want, we want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, let me just throw that out again, real quick. Uh, yeah, that's John E. That's John E. That Micah at ISP dot com, and I want to thank you guys. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, the time went by. Uh, I don't know where it went. And, it flew you know, by. Yeah. I hope. I. Uh, <laughs> I hope everything works out well for you guys, and you guys are doing some really good things, so keep up the good. Thanks, John. Thanks. And the, and the book, again, is The Autistic Holocaust, The Reason Our Children Keep Getting Sick. And that's uh, John E. Micah. Thanks a lot, John. You're welcome. Thank you okay. so much, Brandon. Take here. care. All right, buddy. Welcome back to Gray America. That was Johnny Micah. Scary shit, eh? What do you think? Yeah, man. Is That's... it going to get a lot worse before it gets better? Probably. With these big corporations that you can't sue? Probably. Yeah. Everything will get fucking... I think so. Maybe it'll get better. Who knows? Trump will... No, I was just going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I don't know. It could get a lot worse. You never know. Trump will fix it. I feel like we're we are heading towards like the sci-fi book, you know, or towards idiocracy. Yeah, it really does feel. I haven't watched that movie in a while. I should watch that again. What was that about? It was like five hundred years in the future where everyone was fucking dumbed right down. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Everybody's on You've meds. Never seen it? I think I did. Yeah. I just don't remember it's what like it was Luke about. Wilson or whatever. No. Mm. It's a good one. It's mm. worth checking out for sure. Could be a glimpse into the future. Yeah, scary future. But I mean, I think it's good these guys are doing some It'll research like this then. and 
and sharing their experiences and opening opening the dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we do this. That's why we do the show. Yeah. And so Graham can ramble. That's right. Um, bloggers. Bloggers, yes. We could use, always use some more bloggers. We haven't got a new blogger in a while. I'd like to add... Uh, uh, as many bloggers as possible to our repertoire. So um, if you're interested or or you want to start something or move something or whatever, we've definitely got space. So uh, shoot uh, Graham or myself an email and we can get that going for you. And uh, yeah, big thanks to the bloggers we have. Uh, big shout out to our one blogger for sure, Jared Grace, who's going through some tough times. So uh, we're thinking about you over here, buddy, in the... Uh, HQ. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to blog, shoot us an email, spam gram, send them your stories, your synchros. We like to keep the intros about the listeners and their feedback and their stories. And um, that seems to be slowing down. It is a summer. I know how it goes. Summer's fucking busy, man. Yeah, it is. Every weekend's busy. Yeah. Works crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, and then, oh, uh, support our value for value model. If you, uh, can do so. If you feel you receive value from our show, then uh, go ahead and help us out either uh, through the grabamerica.ca slash support page for monetary, uh, review the show, shoot us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen, um, comment, share. Um, I suppose the biggest way to support the show is by telling other people about the show. We don't have any advertising or marketing. So uh, you motherfuckers Facebooking it or tweeting it or whatever. That's really the best. There is you know, to do is that's the best our way biggest way, right? Yeah. Propagate the formula by patting people on the back. Thanks to <clears throat> Gitmo Yoho. He doesn't want us to say Gitmo Yoho, I don't think. Is it Yoho? Just Gitmo Yoho. Right? Yoho is okay. Is that? Yeah. He doesn't want us to say his name. Oh, I always thought he didn't want the Gitmo. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for the jingle, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to play out. Uh, the end of oh, yeah. the, after after the I always throw the a kings of Grimerica. I always throw a jingle in at the end of the outro music. Oh, do you? Some people don't know that. We're gonna do a secret episode someday where we come back in and start talking after the outro and say some crazy shit. Poetry? No. We'll see if we can Beat make poetry Graham cry. <laughs> I'll, that pull be my, hard. I'll pull out my bongos. Just play Pink Floyd. Wish you were here, and I'll do it. Really, <laughs> just instantly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. All right, buddy. Thanks. Yeah. Welcome back. Oh yeah. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign up other people oh, for yeah. the newsletter. Yeah. yeah that's that's ca slash news. ca slash support. There's a whole list of all these links in the show notes. slash iTunes. So yeah, do all that shit and we will keep pumping out the shows. Yeah, we got lots lined up. We're fucking swamped. Yeah. We're trying to schedule everything in. It's been crazy. We got our adventure with Randall Carlson coming up soon, so that'll be fun. He is a show favorite. Um, so I wonder if we can't maybe we'll set something up. That'll probably be August seventh. We will be recording a podcast that night. We'll probably live broadcast it. Yeah. And maybe we will take calls. Maybe. <laughs> I guess could. we could. We could take calls. Yeah. We're set up for it. We just don't have a lot of time to promote that. But No, but something to think about. It yeah. will be August 7th sometime in the evening. Yeah. And knowing Randall, it'll probably be for a few hours. Yeah. 
Especially if it's raining. We can't have a proper bonfire. Why would it be raining this summer? Is it just because it's been raining for the last month? Yeah. Flooded. Chestermere flooded. I know. It's crazy. Studio is safe. <clears throat> the studio is almost washed away. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to all our supporters, all our subscribers. And uh, we will see you next week.
Conspiracies and high paranoia Here comes another show for ya They're the kings of America They're the kings of America Everybody listen to Darren and Graham